Tundra Talk is brought to you by Frontier Outfitters and Century Hardware, your locally owned source for hunting, fishing, and shooting gear in interior Alaska. They sell proven gear that will tackle whatever Alaskan tasks you need it to, and Frontier always stays current with gear for the season. Whether you're baiting bears in the spring, fishing, camping, or dip netting in the summer, you're looking for game bags and moose camp gear in the fall, uh, if you need to stock up on trapping lures or just get everything you need to go ice fishing, they've got you covered. They always carry a wide variety of Alaskan-proven clothing and boots, camping gear, meat processing supplies, guns, ammo, reloading and shooting supplies, as well as camping gear and backpacking food. Downstairs in Century Hardware, you'll find a full hardware store naturally, and um, you'll also find your snow machine, ATV, and marine accessories down there. They go out of their way to stock plenty, plenty of quality, useful equipment. And whether you're gearing up for a hunting or fishing trip, working on a never-ending home improvement project, or anything in between, it's usually a one-stop shop. Frontier Outfitters is located on 3rd and Old Steese in Fairbanks, and they have a second location in North Pole, so make sure you stop in next time you need to gear up. This episode of Tundra Talk is also brought to you by Hedgecock Group Realtor Rick Lindsay, a guy that can take care of just about any of your real estate needs in the Fairbanks area. Now, the Hedgecock Group has been in Fairbanks North Pole real estate market since the early 80s, and their service is tailored to meet the diverse needs of home buyers in interior Alaska. Now, Rick has lived in Fairbanks for a long time and understands a lot of the less obvious ins and outs of buying and selling property around here. You know, things like water holding tanks and permafrost and all that jazz. Fairbanks is a really unique place to live, and having a realtor that knows what to look for in a quality place can make all the difference. Rick's a Marine Corps veteran and will work hard to get you exactly what you need. And if you're looking to buy or sell real estate in the Fairbanks or North Pole area, reach out to Rick at 907-378-6780. And go check out his Instagram at R-L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-113 at rlindsey113. He's really a passionate outdoorsman. He's just like us. He's one of us. And he loves to share his adventures on there. And he's got a pretty a pretty nice cranker of a ram that I'm jealous of. So go check him out. I know there's lots of you out there that dream of moving to Alaska, but it's a big step and can be kind of intimidating. Landing a solid job before you move can make things run a lot smoother, but you might not be sure of the job market or even really where to look. Now, if you're an experienced ASC certified or GM factory trained technician, I've got good news for you. Chevrolet GMC of Fairbanks is looking to hire qualified service department techs, and they've got enough work to keep you pretty much as busy as you want to be. Fairbanks Chevy has a very busy shop, but they allow for flexible scheduling. They offer top market pay rates with paid overtime, a great benefits package with 401k retirement plan with contribution matching, and you know, for a service tech, you can really make a good solid living. They, they can offer relocation assistance to help get you up here, paid training to get you spun up, and they have a well-lit and well-maintained facility, and these are all things that I mean, help contribute to a great work atmosphere. On top of all that, they make it a priority to allow you to take your vacation time during hunting season, something that is really tough in the, in the service and construction industries here in Fairbanks and can sometimes be a deal-breaker for folks like us. Good help and hard workers are always welcome in Fairbanks, and if this is the opportunity you've been waiting for, apply at FairbanksChevy.com or call their service manager, Rick Lindsay, directly at 907-215-6444. <laughs> 
That's how you do it. Uh, I can believe a lot of things. That's probably not one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel. We're sitting in the surrounded by the walls of Tyler's small sheep. Yeah. And uh, I had to do the math. Uh, I think collectively in this room between the four of us killed 68 rams. That ain't bad. The biggest piece of the pie, of course, is Mr. Jerry Lees, who's sitting here on the couch, and his son, Thomas Lees. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming over, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're. Uh, I've been following following your YouTube channel recently. When did you start that? Oh, I don't know. It was about a, a year ago. Kind of sitting there thinking, man, we do enough cool stuff. It probably be beneficial to share with some people and just uh it's a good time and sharing stuff on social media in general but youtube's pretty cool too you get to put a little bit longer stuff out there for people i like it i've been watching them as well and good videos i appreciate it yeah 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 it's really fun to get lots of cool comments from people and yeah we just do things a little bit different than the average person you kind of get humble to it after a long time but <laughs> especially when you get out of alaska and lower 48 people are like oh my gosh this is what you do every year like yeah i've never shot a whitetail but <laughs> <laughs> well, you could go your whole life without shooting one too, and <laughs> yeah. still have a big <laughs> smile on your face <laughs> yeah. yeah well i guess you know so you you were saying you've been up here 46 years jerry i came up in 1976 so this was 47 yeah. pre pre anilka pre anilka yeah did you yeah. just how old were you when, you when you came up here i was uh 14 when I got to Alaska. Actually, 13 when I got to Alaska. Turned 14 that summer. Nice. Yeah, you kind of kind of hit the ground running. Well, did you? You know, I had a good friend of mine from a church group that I was in that uh, invited me down to Anderson, Alaska, for a fishing trip, middle of summer. And I'm a kid from the states, right? I have no clue. And I, oh yeah, hell yeah, I'll go catch fish. And so we did, and had a great weekend. And I was. Just thanking him at the end of that weekend. Man, this was really fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me. And his father says, you know, he says, we're going to go sheep hunting in August. Would you like to come along? And I said, yes. Uh, I need to check with, do you need to check with your mom? I said, no. <laughs> yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm coming along. <laughs> and uh, anyway, that was... Uh, that was in 1979, Ju- July of 79, he invited me, and um, literally four weeks later, we were hitting the woods sheep hunting for my first ever sheep hunt, and uh, I haven't looked back. That was just a dream come true. I was instantly an addict, and uh, haven't missed a year of hunting since then. Yeah, um, that's uh, kind of a common thread for people who are very passionate about sheep hunting, it seems <laughs> like. I didn't mind this year was my 20th, 20th year in a row just got to do it <laughs> yeah and you know there's there's something special about sheep as you all know right we're all mm-hmm. sheep hunters in this room there's something really special about sheep country in general and um, whether that's doing solo hunts or whether that's doing as big a party hunt as i've ever done sheep hunting was with four guys in a camp yeah mm-hmm. uh, it is still just a unique experience that you can't match anywhere else, you know. Uh, I talk to a lot of hunters from a lot of different states. Uh, you know, they con- they see a few pictures posted and they want to become your best buddy. <laughs> but <laughs> we get a lot of that. Yeah. Um, but it's just so far from their reality 
They just cannot comprehend that we can come up, pack up, plan our trip, and go every year. And it's just such a unique thing. And, you know, they say, man, that's a dream hunt. That's a hunt of a lifetime. And I'm like, well, it's the hunt of 76. <laughs> yeah. Hunt of 77. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just we've become a little bit less appreciative, I think, of that opportunity. And it wasn't until I started getting old enough where it hurts to go sheep hunting physically. You know, physically, I really have to do a lot more to prep that I've come to appreciate how unique the opportunity is and that, you know, I want to keep driving after that for as many years as I can and physically do it. Now, I've promised myself and others that I would stop shooting sheep at number 40. Why? <laughs> That's just what he says. He says, "Oh, 40 will hang the boots up." I'm right, like, oh, okay. yeah, I've heard that before. You're right. <laughs> There's got. There must be some kind of a reason behind it. It seems like a weird place to stop to me. Well, I figure you know, 40 inches has always been the benchmark for really big sheep, and 40 sheep have been kind of my goal for several years, but more so that. Um, People get jealous, you know, and the, and they're they no longer, or they get tired of packing your sheep for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in all those years, I can only think of a couple where somebody packed my sheep for me, <laughs> and never the whole thing. <laughs> but uh, it just seems like a good place, a good personal quota. Just say, you know, I've had my run. It's been a phenomenal run. I've been extremely lucky to take some really super quality sheep, you know, and I've got some memorable hunts from sheep that weren't quality sheep, you know, and uh, all those experiences combined, when they start to melt together, you, yeah, maybe you ought to slow down a little. <laughs> I don't know. Some, some tells me that, that guys like you, Jerry, you can't not have goals. I'm very goal driven. Yeah, yeah. So whether whether it's sheep or something else, there are there are be, you, and you poked at something really true because there's a lot of people that I say like the four of us have killed 68 sheep together think that's way we have no business even doing that regardless of the the fact that none of the sheep we're killing would be the sheep anybody else would get. <laughs> well, and that's what's so crazy about lower 48 or, or worldwide sheep hunting. Most people in the world never get the opportunity to do that. We're mm-hmm. so blessed in Alaska to get to purchase, or not even purchase, get tags yeah. over the counter for free and have the opportunity to go every single year, mm-hmm. much less like connect yeah. as many years as we have. Most people in the world apply for a sheep tag for 20 years before they draw one, you know? Yeah. And well, and most, years people, old most, before they get and most people that do have the opportunity up here don't even utilize it. Like, I feel like, like you've like you've done a good job of utilizing your opportunity, you know, and that's really cool. To squander that kind of an opportunity would be purely foolish, right? Yeah. But at some point, you'd, like I say, I've set this quota. I th- I'm, I hope I can stick to it. You know how that's going to go, right? Is next, I killed my, I killed my, 39th, <laughs> I killed yeah. my 39th sheep this year. Yep. And so next year would likely be number 40. 
barring some kind of an issue. You know, um, there's been a half a dozen years since I started chasing sheep that I didn't shoot a sheep. Um, not for the lack of trying, though. Not for the lack of not being on hunts, but where Mike Webb was a good hunting partner of mine and still is. Yeah. And has been for a number of years, 30-some years, I think we figured, that we've hunted together. Uh, no, 40-some. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> there's been times that we, you know, two guys and one sheep is really kind of where I would say the ideal spot is, sweet spot is, as far as packing sheep, especially if you're having to spike camp out multiple days and multiple miles, which I know the both both uh, Frank and Tyler here have done some of those death marches to sheep country, you know, and we've all done some of yep. those hunts. Yeah. But we've we've really come up with one sheep for every two guys going is just about perfect. And, you know, there was a year that me and Mike – uh, we're hunting one of our favorite little haunts. And in one view of the spot and scope, we had three Boone and Crockett Rams and we knew it. And just how rare, and like this, you cannot understate, you cannot overstate how rare something like that is. Extremely <laughs> unique opportunity, right? It sounds to me like that just needs to turn into two different trips. <laughs> <laughs> well, and three different trips. So, <laughs> so there you go. Right. We made You're a good. Like, hey, I'm over here. <laughs> yeah. I want to go too. <laughs> we made a good stock on those sheep, and we got to about 200 yards from them, and we were set up. They had no clue we were there, and we're debating. I told Mike, I said that ram right there for sure's a bookhead, and he he did not agree with me. He says I don't think these are. I think they're just da da da. Anyway, so we started trying to decide which of these three rams he was going to harvest. It was his year to pull the trigger, right? And uh, we debated it back and forth and back and forth. I said, well, pick whatever one you like the best and let him have it, you know. And so he did. And this ram was 43 and change squared and scored 174. <sighs> and so when we feel, and the other two we let walk, right? The other two we yeah. watched them walk out of the, the country, you know. And our thought was all three of these rams were old, but they weren't slow moving yet. Yeah. And that they would be there for the next year. Because this was one of our special little spots and, you know, very tight-lipped. We don't tell anybody, right? Anyway, um, after he killed that sheep and we took pictures and we gawked and mocked and pulled out a tape and started taking some basic measurements, you know, and he's like, holy crap. I said, yeah, now you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You know, and so we, you know, the next year we went back in and shot one more of those two sheep, but the other one had disappeared. Hmm. And uh, we never did see the third sheep again, right? And do I feel bad about that? Do I think that was a missed opportunity? I don't. You know, that other ram, I, those were breeding rams. Those rams were passing those genetics along for future generations of me or my kids or, uh, you know, whoever else could... Uh, venture into that location, you know, and then what I feel really bad about is 10 years later, a guide moved in there and wiped all those genetics out of that area in two years of hunting. I had seven, I had seven better than legal rams, uh, in there. And in, uh, two years, there was zero. Let me ask a question about leaving those rams to breed like you're talking about mm -hmm. and pass the genetics on and you've hunted long enough to see like multiple 
generations. Ram, generations of rams come to age to be legal and grow big. Are you noticing in those areas that you leave those rams before a guide moves in and starts shooting off sheep that you would have let wait? Were you noticing that they had like same genetics? Like you can be like, this came from that ram, this came from this ram, and so on and so forth. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen uh, areas. There are genetic pockets of areas. Um, so everybody, the latest craze, right, has been Mount Harper, right? So <clears throat> Mount uh, Harper sucks. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, that, fuck that place. Well, <laughs> I have to say. The genetics in Mount Harper are what? Mass, yeah. right? Those yeah. rams have mass. They're not fancy sheep. Yeah. In fact, most of them you look at, you go, huh, that's a good sheep. He's heavy. But that's about your only comment you can make, and then you. Well, it was kind of like the one, the the one ram, you know, decent ram we saw that yeah. was like set seven or eight and legal, but not. It's like yeah, he's pretty heavy, but nothing special. So those sheep will fool you, right? And so that was the thing. Mike was fooled by these sheep we were staring at uh, in our little spot because he hadn't killed enough of sheep, the, enough of the sheep out of that spot to know what he was looking at. Yeah. Hmm. Um. This year's a classic case. I went on a solo hunt this year at age 60 thinking, okay, I can do this. Actually, I took him in first, and he got to shoot the good, the good ram out of one of our spots, you know, and that was the only decent – it was really the only decent sheep in there. And then so several weeks later, I'm deciding I'm going to make a run at one myself. And so I find this sheep all alone, middle of nowhere, um, and it takes me – Four days, which has never happened before. I've never had to stalk a sheep four days in a yeah. row to kill it, right? But he, the weather conditions, whatever, he kept giving me the slip. But you take that sheep, and he was all alone, and judging him, I literally thought he was probably a 42-inch ram from Yeah, the he looked at like... Yeah. I got the satellite phone call like, oh, yeah, I got this ram 42. <laughs> well, he, he does this quite often, like overjudges the ram from the, first, from the first look. I'm like, okay, whatever, all right, maybe 40. We'll see. But... This ram kind oh, of had beautiful a sheep. A bit. Oh man, it's a pretty ram. But it really, if is you look at ram. it, I mean, it's a it's one of two miniatures that I've shot in my career. Hmm. And what I mean I by got a miniatures, whole room full of miniatures. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know what you mean. I'm just yeah, self deprecating. Body size, two thirds of what a normal adult ram should be. Mm-hmm. Horn size, um, style. That ram's got style. Oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. But he's, oh, he's pencil wide and he yeah. twists in and out. He's eleven and three quarters on the bases. I've wow. never shot a sub twelve inch sheep ever. The no other one that we shit. shot wow. was a twelve and a quarter inch sheep that we swore was forty four from, yeah. from when we first started chasing him. But when we pulled the trigger, he was thirty eight and a half, which happened to be exactly what this ram measured out as well was thirty eight wow. and a half. And so those two, and in circumstances where they were both loner sheep, no other sheep around, there was it's nothing to use as a reference. To, yeah. yeah. You know, and by the day that I finally pulled the trigger on that ram, I knew he wasn't 42, but I didn't know that he was 38 and a half. I still yeah. thought he was 40. I thought, I'm going to walk up to this ram. He's going to tape out at 40 inches. Well, you know? and the more you look nope. at the pictures of that, that ram and you, and you start looking at where his, the bottom of his horns go to, like compared to his jaw, like you look at a lot of these rams in here, you got a lot of a lot of horns that curl down below the jaw and that ram no matter what angle you hold him at his curl is above the bottom of his jaw you're like oh this is a tight curled low yeah. you know small base ram it just it's really hard to judge that in the field especially if you don't have anything to compare well, against when i long. would i i have to i would have 
have peed my pants a little bit. <laughs> I would have, I would have probably thought felt thought the same thing. Well, so here I am. I'm I'm thinking I'm 60. This is starting to hurt now. Sheep hunting is literally it's physically dem- demanding. Where it didn't used to be a, a walk in the park. Even at 50, it was just not that huge of a deal. Where at 60, I'm training for months before sheep season opens, trying to get in enough physical stamina shape to put up with the yeah. sheep hunt you know and anyway um neither here nor there you look at rams like that and you have no reference and you have the set of rules right so how much space can i see around his ear is one of my mm-hmm. primary set of rules mm-hmm. and that ram had none when i started asking myself those tough questions yeah well when i got him when i got close enough to him to ask myself those tough questions so on the third day i stalked that ram i got within 480 yards and took one shot and missed and when i missed i missed bad enough that i thought i have no business pulling the trigger again i don't want to run him completely out of the country yeah. and i let him walk off you know did he just walk off he just walked that ram never took a fast step that right ram on. was at the end of life i mean he really yeah. was and if you look at you know pictures from the field and a little bit of video you know, he was sunk in at the hips. He was sunk in mm-hmm. at the way. He was not going to survive another winter. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, have we noticed genetic pockets uh, and yielding genetic sheep? Uh, you know, Marty Webb sheep is a classic case. That spot is a genetic pocket that we've been hunting for a lot of years, right? And Marty hit it at its peak. Marty and Paul Zakowski yeah. hit it at its peak. And... uh the biggest ram that Mike Webb has ever seen in his life was on the same hill they shot that with that same year. And not that same sheep. They yeah. already killed that sheep. Wow. Hmm. But he says it was another just horrendously towed big sheep, and the sheep wouldn't get out of its bed. Oh, man. Just you know, awesome. And season was over, right? Yeah, yeah. But the sheep would not get out of its bed. It just sat there and looked. Oh, hmm. man. You know, well, done. Good. That yeah. sheep died of old age, yeah. likely on that spot. You know, somewhere yeah. on that hill, close right. to that bed, probably. <laughs> Even within those hills that you do, that we do see big sheep every year, or we'll see a young sheep that's got potential, and you, ra- you know, you're kind of okay. How many years can we let this guy go before some either somebody else sees him, or he dies off of old age or whatever? Yeah. Within those hills and those genetics, you also it seems like you have a separate band of rams that's just kind of cold rams. They just don't have the genetics if there's any you know they seem to separate themselves but you're like i've i've taken some poor genetic rams off these same hills we chase big big sheep for 10 days and end up with a, a little guy close to the tent that's just never going to have it it just there's yeah. there's good genetics within those spots and then it takes the good genetics and then the right set of weather and mm. feed and nobody else getting to them were yeah which is with big ones every once in a while but it's super rare well this is a good spot like why don't you walk us through your like your criteria jerry because like i don't i mean i listen to some people i listen to what some people have to say about sheep hunting but i really like respect and value and i think other like either current sheep hunters or aspirational sheep hunters should like pay attention to people who have like spent literally decades doing this and observing like it's a pretty rare thing to observe generations of sheep. Yeah. And you know, like yeah, walk us walk us through like your I mean, your kind of criteria for you know, and we're not just talking legal, not legal. We're talking like specific things you look for to determine whether, you know, you want to shoot a sheep or not. Well, first thing, um when I'm 
preliminarily scouting areas. So if I'm scouting for new areas and mm-hmm. I'm out, you know, whether I'm spending 30, 40 hours in a cub flying rugged mountains looking for sheep, mm-hmm. what I look for initially is are there any old sheep? So if there's no old sheep, somebody's shooting them. And that's just plain hard facts. You know, Brad Whittling and the guys at Fishing Game, I think, do a tremendously good job for the tools that they have available to them. Um, their theory that harvesting full curl rams doesn't affect the population, I think, is doesn't hold water in my camp. Yeah. You know, and I get... I get the whole breeding cycle. I get the fact that it takes eight-year-old rams to be mature enough to breed. And we, But to their own admission, they need sheep that old to keep the younger rams in line so that the younger rams don't die of, of the rut mortality, you know. And so they already know that this cliff exists between a, a 10 and a 12-year-old ram, you know, that hey, those are their prime breeding years, really, is age 9, 10, 11, and 12, and that very few make it beyond that because they physically can't do it anymore. Although the ram may live another year, mm-hmm. they just, they're no longer part of, they're kicked out. They're no yeah. longer part of the group. And I think there's so much value in old sheep helping younger sheep, just like old hunters helping young hunters learn how to do it. I think old sheep teach young sheep how to live how to escape predators, where to go when the weather's bad. Um, You know, just that whole survival piece, I think, gets handed down. And people may think I'm crazy for thinking that, but I've watched these sheep over time. So I first go look for old sheep. Mm -hmm. And if there are none, I don't even look anymore. Hmm. Yeah, you might find a young 40-inch ram. You might. In fact, most of the 40-inch sheep that I've shot were 40 by the time they were seven years old, right? So there's growth genetics. So that's part number two. One, I need to find an area where sheep are getting old enough. Two, I need to find an area that's got good genetic potential. And there are, you know, I hunted sheep for eight years in the Alaska range. The area that I hunted, I was solely convinced because that's the first place I got taken when Mm -hmm. I was 16, right? And I saw a 40-inch ram that first year. Yeah but didn't know it, had no clue, zero clue. I mean, I was so tickled to shoot the ram that I did and clueless that they could get much better, right? Well, in retrospect, I saw what I believe today was probably a 40-inch ram back then, 1979, but in an area that just doesn't produce them. Yeah. You know, just not consistent. You know, but back then, I mean, shoot, it was nothing for us to see 300 sheep on a hunt, you know, but it's, it's Alaska range, folks. It's... Central Alaska Range, windy, tough country, and huge impact from hunters. I mean, even back in 79, Mm -hmm. we saw seven other hunters in the field on that trip. Well, shoot, was was that still even in the three-quarter curl days? It was in the first year of the seven-eighths days. It just had went to seven-eighths that year. And seven-eighths, in reality, was three-quarter or less for most camps, right? Because there was no... um, you know, I was opposed to the whole have to take them in and get them sealed and get them, yeah. and get them plugged. But I think it has at least driven the the, and I don't want to pick on guides here, but it has at least driven the guiding population into being more, much more selective on the sheep that the sheep that they were telling people to shoot. So, age, genetics, mm-hmm. right? 
And then, like Thomas said, it's a combination of those sheep with good genetics getting old enough and living through the right years where they didn't get stunted due to weather conditions mm-hmm. and feed. What are the three what are the three years you tell me that are the big growth years where you have to have good weather for those three years in order to build a So really brand? if you're looking at three years, it's years three, four, and five. That's where they grow the most. That's right? where they grow the most length. And if those rams are in poor feed conditions those years uh, we see it. Um, we They'll pick, never make it. We yeah. picked up yeah. a horn this year. In fact, you see it on that video. We pick up a horn this year. It's an eight-year-old ram that's a half curl. Wow. No shit. Right? And he's eight. Huh. <laughs> and he's broomed, right? He's But he's not, he hasn't broomed. I mean, we're counting the broom. Mm-hmm. To, to, he broomed at age two, right? The two, yep. the two bulge and the lamb tip were gone. But I bet he wasn't 24 inches. Wow. So, and that's out of an area that has good genetics, yeah. But he just had well, those, Thomas those, is those ram. years, no good feed, yep. but hard winter well, and or whatever. If you, get, if you get a ram that has good genetics in those three years and they have good feed, you'll those yeah. those growth years are hugely far oh, apart. Yeah. You'll, you'll fit <coughs> no your doubt about them. it. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's 5, 10, 15 inches of growth in, at least you know, in in yeah. those three years. That's where you get four-year-old rams that are six or seven years or 40-inch or so that are six or seven, seven years, years old. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Go, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, well, this ram, the, this the one I killed this year, he's a kind of a good example of just like not a lot of growth in his, you know, three, four, five. You know, he's, he's, the, the more I look at him, like, he's actually like a pretty heavy ram. He's, he's just, he's unique. He drops probably lower than any other ram I have. Um, but yeah, he just doesn't like out, out. In those early years, he didn't have a tremendous amount of growth. So, how? Do, where do you age? Not, I call him nine. Okay. What did Fish and Game call him? Nine. nine. Okay. And I have some debates with Fish yeah. and Game over oh. aging sheep. So and, do I. And, and I tell him, I <laughs> no tell him, you know, shit. guys, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you're aging them wrong and I'm aging them right. I'm just saying I age them this way, and this, I've done this for a lot of years. And uh, I've seen sheep with false annuli. Yeah. Um, Thomas's ram this year had one false year mm-hmm. in it, right in the middle. But they stay, you know, we compare sheep from that same unit, so similar weather conditions, similar feed conditions. And we know that they're growing this much, this much, this much, and this much. And that's how we can say that's a false annuli. And I said, hey, what about the sheep that's sick? So yeah, this ram this ram that we found that we show on video, that one little horn was sitting yeah. right by a waterfall that we have taken pictures at for years. you know, And that ram, in my, my belief, is that ram was either genetically screwed up or likely was not a healthy sheep its whole life. Yeah. And more likely the second, although, you know, usually they won't survive two two or three winters of being ill and still make it. But, mm-hmm. you know, you look at his growth and it's like disastrous. So there's a ram that um, should have been culled out a long time ago, but he would have never been legal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, he broomed yeah. it at some point and that would have been the opportunity. But, um, you know, so... Old sheep, good genetics. Uh, most of the big sheep, all but one 40-inch ram that I've shot, I'd been watching for a number of years. So I would go check on them. 
Yeah. And my criteria when I would go check on him is, has he slowed down yet? And that was really my only criteria in the end, because these sheep were superior sheep already. I mm. knew that. And it was, okay, he's still moving good. He can still gallop away. You know, when we look at old sheep plod their way up a mountain. Young sheep run up a mountain. Yeah. Mm. And even quality young rams, you know, rams that are 40 inches and seven years old, they're still shooting their way to the top without any issues at all. And the old rams that are in their last year or so of life, they don't do that. Yeah. I mean, so they, walk, you're they starting they to be able to pick out just the behavior to know that, yeah, like this rams, he's he's at the end. Absolutely. They're deliberate you know? in every step they take. Even the older, there's there's usually a, ram, you know, a band of three or four really good sheep, and one of them's of age to take. Not maybe of size, but mm-hmm. of age, because the other two rams go clattering up the rocks. And you got one taking specific steps, following behind them. Same path. Okay, there's there's danger. We need to go up to here. But two or three of them might be on the run, and then there might be one or two. Usually it's just one that we're targeting due to age, and they're taking specific steps. Slow, calculated, just like you would think of your, your old man hiking in the hills in front of you. He's going to be a little bit slower and more calculated than where he puts his feet. Wow. Right? Wow, guys. <laughs> Under the bus. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. When you're looking at, when you're looking at sheep, the, the, young, the young sheep are, are, are running and not caring, and those older sheep are taking specific steps. You can just tell by the way they move. So are we all aging rams the same? What did you age that at? I haven't aged it. What did you, how about you? I didn't count specifically, but I was looking at how much drop that ram's got. I think it's got a lot of really good genetics where you're feeling where how where he sets yep. below that nine year old sheep. Yeah. yeah. So we're aging all of us are in the same boat on aging sheep then, I'd assume. So I think there's rams that you get debates on. So fish and game aged Thomas's ram this year at eight. And yeah, that's not what I come up with, right? And that's fine. I, yeah, exactly. I, d- I don't get in those arguments with those guys. You know, they've. Um, I think Skip uh, Skip's taxidermy, Skip yeah. Scott, yeah, um, was the first one to saw a ram horn in half and show it to him, so that you could see these defined age ranges, yeah. right? Yeah. And there's been some sheep. Uh, what's Herc Shoulder? Herc Stroder. Herc Stroder. The one he killed with a bow. The that, one he killed with a bow. That yeah, if you look at it, it's got fifteen or sixteen annular rings that are distinct. Yeah. I mean, distinct enough that they really stand out in pictures. So I talked to Mark and I said, "Hey, let's saw that. Yeah, how attached no, are you to those?" I said, <laughs> "I said, you know, what efficient game age of that?" And he yeah. told me, and he says, "He says these are mostly false false annuli that are in there." And I thought, well, I said, "Did you ever have the opportunity to age a tooth?" And so we called Fish and Game and said, hey, how do you, you know, and they gave me the name of the lab that does their teeth. And he says, well, these labs, you know, are plus or minus a year. I said, we're good with plus or minus a yeah. year. We're talking five or six years <laughs> yeah. difference. Yeah, exactly. Here. You know, but they need a tooth from the lower jaw, right? <laughs> Fucking you on know? the side of the mountain. <laughs> well, <laughs> exactly. Ne- lower jaw never comes Mic- home. Microscope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if I get the opportunity to ever see a ram, Take harvested of that nature again. Get a I would tooth. I would pull the lower jaw yeah. and send in a tooth and pay the I forget what it was one hundred fifty bucks or something to have yeah. it do it. Yeah, know? nothing to have it to like to find out to settle the argument. Yeah, right? <clears throat> without having to destroy the horn to do so. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Dad, what's your what's your oldest ram? I know which one it is, but just for for everybody else that's listening. 
What's your oldest ram? The oldest ram I've ever harvested was 13 years old. All right. And uh, the oldest ram I've ever seen harvested. That's what I'm talking about. Was uh, 14 and a half. And we shot that ram. Actually, Mike Webb shot that ram two years in a row. Well, <laughs> told, he told me about that. Yeah. yeah, you told me it's down at Skips. This story, yeah. no shit. Yeah, you should tell that story though. Yeah, so you know, same thing. We're following our same criteria that these sheep have got to be old. Um, we saw that ram with a group of like seven rams, and uh, made a decent stock on it this one year. And Mike settles settles in and shoots it at about three hundred yards. Well, he hit it high, and when I mean high. It was still through the shoulder, but it was above the lungs and below the spine. It went through that void. And this sheep turned and went up the mountain with the rest of these, and we went hard on his tail, obviously. I mean, we're disgusted that this ram's getting away, and he outwalked us. He walked us right up the freaking mountain and out of sight, and we don't know where he ended up. We ended up on top looking around, never did come up with him. Well, the next year, we're in their late season, um, and I've hunted quite a few sheep late season just to get away from people mm-hmm. as much as anything. But we were in there late season the following year, and we get to the exact same hillside, the exact same little creek, the exact same hillside that he had shot it on the year before, and here's this band of rams there. And we're looking at him through the spot and scope, and we're talking about it. And, and I said, Mike, I said, that's the ram you shot last year. He says, no way. I said, Mike, that's the ram you shot last year. Watch him. He's got a little hitch in his get-along. And so we watched, and sure enough, that ram had a little limp in in his front, you know. And I was like, wow. He says, are you positive? Because if you're positive, I'm going to shoot that ram right here, right now. I said, Mike, I'm positive. And he settled in, took a nice shot, and dropped that ram right in its tracks. And when we got over there and started skinning it out, sure enough, here's this scar from the bullet the year before through the top of the shoulder blade, but below the spine. And that was the sheep, you know. So hmm. that was one, that was the only sheep that he'd ever had getting away, gotten away from him. Yeah. And now it didn't, right? No, so that, he, yeah. He felt, he felt a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> comf- I'm comforted by that story and uh, the one sheep I had run off i had uh it was like maybe 250 yards we're climbing up in the snow this one broomed ram up on a just open hillside and there's a couple like shoots to the right but we're kind of having to just go right at him it's in the evening snowing hard and we popped up at about 250 yards and the guy I was with it was he had spotted him so it was his kind of deal but he's like i can't see my glasses are fogged up you better shoot him i'm like all right <laughs> so don't have to tell me twice lay down shot <laughs> And the sheep rolled, all right, there he is. And so we, you know, rolled down out of sight. And uh, what, I mean, it wasn't very far till he was out of sight. And it took us about 20 minutes to pick around and get up above there. And he wasn't there. And so, all right, now let's just follow where he's rolling down. And then there's fresh sheep tracks climbing up the hill. Gathered himself and went. Was there blood? There was just a little bit of blood. Like just hair on the rocks where he'd rolled a little bit and, uh. I mean, we're not talking about the, like there's nothing to hide him, you know. We we end up end up spending two uh, about two whole days looking for that sheep, you know. The first day climbing all over there, and then the next day just sitting, you know, sitting back like glassing for birds, 
or something, and I'm pretty convinced that sheep did not die. Mm-hmm. Just enough energy to knock him on his butt. Then. Yeah, or either either you know a situation like that, or just clip the top of his that skin on the top of his back or something to shock him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever the story makes myself feel feel the best because I, I, it still well, bothers me. But none of us, right? None of us ever want to lose a game animal that we've wounded. No, hell no, no. You know, and any any hunter that thinks that's no big deal, you'll never find me hunt with the son of a gun. Yeah, plain and simple, right? I mean that that ethic does not cut it. No, hell no. And uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to hunt. I've taken. 17 other people besides myself sheep hunting over the years and you know in thomas's case a half a dozen times mike's been with me i don't know at least a dozen different sheep hunts um a few other guys have been on multiple ones but um but it's a very small group right it's a Mm -hmm. very small group of people that meet the grade that uh that you'll put your life in their hands because literally you are you know, and that you can enjoy the experience with. And uh, over the years, uh, I've taken one person that I would never take again. And this person was a high school friend. I'm, uh, I guess it was probably my senior year of high school. And he was really best friends with my older brother. And he says, oh man, I'd really like to kill a sheep. I said, well, come on, we'll go. I need a, a partner. And so we went up into the Alaska range, an area that I'd hunted by then. That was my third year hunting in there, right? No, that was my second year as all hunting in there, so that was 1980. And uh, found a good band of rams, plenty of legal sheep in it, you know, shot two sheep out of it, two full curl rams out of it, packed out, came out to town, right? Two weeks later, he went back in with another friend of his, without talking to me yeah. asking you know without having that whole big problem <laughs> <laughs> so all of us big will admit problem. that if you take somebody sheep hunting to your sheep hunting area they are to never go there again without you or at least oh, yeah. without getting your blessing to do so right it's that's just, just an unwritten, unwritten rule, rule. Yeah. exactly anyway yeah. he took another guy back in there and uh they shot two more sheep he shot a second sheep oh and boy. i was pissed Yes, you were. Right. I was pissed, A, that he took another guy in there and showed him that country. Um, I thought this particular part of the world was fantasy land. It was for me. Yeah. First year in there, we saw a good quantity of big bull caribou, a big quantity of big bull moose, several grizzly bears, and sheep galore. And I thought, I have found heaven. Yeah. Right? (laughs) And then here's this guy that uh, drags another guy back in there. Poacher shoots his second ram right b takes another guy into the sacred ground (laughs) (laughs) and that was the last time i ever even thought about hunting with that guy hunting or trapping we used to do a little trapping together too you know and it was like yep never again yep finding yeah finding someone you can well like you know us we started hunting together about 10 years ago i think this was the 10th time and it's it's not it's not easy finding someone that's a good hunting partner (laughs) Well, they have to think like you do. Mm. Yeah. You know, they really do. You've got to have the same morals. It's not even, yeah, yeah. it's not even a, a matter of like, this is an ethical, like a, a, a ethical person that's a good hunter. Also, yeah, you're, you know, just how you work together. And 
like you said, thinking. Well, and guys just want to go every year, too. For people my age, it's hard to find people that just want to go every single year. It's yeah. really hard for me to find anybody else besides my yeah. dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? All these Game Boys and, <laughs> and Xboxes. And... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, you know, so it's not just uh, picking a hunting partner is like picking good sheep country, right? You got all this criteria that they got to meet. Um, one, they got to be goers. So when you drew Harper, right, there was a ram rumored to be in Harper. There was some pictures from him from the year before that were getting circulated, and the guy that was the guy that took those pictures didn't think they had been getting circulated, and he says the only person I gave those pictures to were Tyler, and I said, well, before Tyler showed me, several other guys had showed me, <laughs> and they had been looking. So whether that was your picture, although it looks much like it was the same picture, <laughs> yeah. um, or somebody else, right? That word had gotten out. And the avid sheep hunters of the world were interested, you know, and they went looking. It's tough, mm-hmm. it's tough to hide a picture with a wing strut in the fucking yeah. Yeah, bottom of the frame. <laughs> oh, I didn't take that one. Personally, I never went looking for that sheep. And guys are like, what? And I said, what was the point? Had I drawn Harper that year? Sure. Damn straight I'd have been looking for that sheep. Yep. But there was no reason to waste my fuel, my time, my energy, which are all limited. Uh, on a sheep that I have no ability to do anything about. And so... It's still a sore subject around here. Well, <laughs> I, don't mean to, I don't mean to poke a nerve. I really it don't. That, oh, it's not. That no, we're just, like joking. just joking. You know, and then I happened sure. to kill a phenomenal ram that year. Yeah, you did. That was just, let me see, last year, right? Yeah, last year. <laughs> and Well, when was the last 46-inch ram I killed? <laughs> <laughs> but you know and i got blamed from a bunch of people a bunch of people that said that's the harper sheep and i said no it's not in fact the guy that took the picture as soon as i posted a couple pictures i waited till after sheep season was completely over because i don't want to ever start a panic the same year that something <laughs> happens sheep hunters are not the brightest in the world so they have a short memory span right? <laughs> and uh Anyway, when I posted a few pictures, I got the guy that took the picture, or at least one of the pictures, said, I've got pictures of your ram when he was still alive. I said, oh, great. Send it to me. That'd be cool. He sends me the picture. I said, that's not mine. That's the Harper Complex ram. What? And then he comes <laughs> unraveled. What do you, how do you know that's the Harper Complex ram? I said, everybody in the state's been looking for that ram since last October. And even this year, since I started posting sheep hunting videos on YouTube, oh, man, that's super cool. I'll get comments on Facebook and stuff. Oh, I'll watch your videos and stuff. That that ram your your dad killed last year, I, I got pictures of that ram. I know exactly where that come from. I'm like, here's the picture of it before it died. I'm like, well, before I even get the photo on the <laughs> Facebook message from some guy I've never met, I'm like, you're about to send me pictures of the Harper ram. Because this <laughs> ram my dad killed does not have any pictures of it beforehand. <laughs> The, I listened to a podcast the other day, and one of the guys that was the guest on the podcast is watching YouTube videos. So he's saying, in the state, and sitting there with the videos and Google Earth and maps, and just like, <laughs> constant, just like, oh, I can figure out where this is. And he's claiming that he is finding areas that people are posting videos and then going to these areas and 
hunting unsuccessfully, but so <laughs> still, like, there's people that are, it's that fucked up. Like, I couldn't imagine having enough time in my day to sit and watch YouTube videos and fiddle around on Google Earth and try and figure out where somebody else is hunting rather than, I mean, half that amount of time that I'd waste doing that, I could just go find my own spot scouting to go <laughs> hunt and go where somebody's not going to be. And pissing somebody think, off. And I think that's honestly possible, like, with the technology that there is today. I think it's, I mean... It's a lot of time. Rough. Right. But, but exactly. You might be able to figure out where yeah. some people are hunting, watching. Well, people but, post yeah. so much shit. Like, okay, and there's a mountain in the background. And then compare it to the video that they've put up and then start looking. And, yeah, I mean, I agree. Which, so, like, we video... wasted friggin' time, you could probably... Be right up somebody's ass if that's the kind of person yep. you are. Yep. And the best thing we can do when, we, when we're posting pictures and stuff like that is, like, you're not giving away your spots. Of course, we're not giving away our good spots. But you're not like, oh, this is a place I think you should go if you want to go shoot a sheep in Alaska or whatever. Headwaters the Savage River. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll let you know a little secret. If anything, Believe it or not, I've seen <laughs> some good sheep there. <laughs> oh, you know, it's... Sheep hunting has become such a high-dollar game. And what I mean by that is, you know, I don't know what the average cost is, but I know of several sheep guides in this state that are charging upward of $30,000 to hunt sheep, doll sheep in Alaska. And so they are heavily incentivized to try to find places. But here's the thing. They're handcuffed. So by regulation, they can pick two guiding areas and a third one if it's a brown bear area. But they're handcuffed to those two areas, and they can't pick next year's areas this year, right? They're applying a year cycle mm. in advance, right? So, um, but you know, you post some big sheep pictures, and you get inundated from guides. Most of them not claiming to be guides until you go and start doing a little research on who's asking the question, right? And you go, "Oh, he's a guide. Delete. He's a guide. Delete." <laughs> you know, <laughs> because. Um, because they're incentivized. You know, they have clients that are saying, hey, find where that is. I want to go hunt there. Well, you know, if the guide's obeying the regulations at all, he doesn't have that option. And that's where us sport hunters have a huge advantage over the guides is that they're stuck to a spot, mm. you know, and when they kill a big ram, their client posts it. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and so then the word gets out. Then a guy can go, "Huh, I'm going to go check out that guy's area. I know the two areas that he's registered to guide in. It's in, this it's in one of the footage. one of the two areas. <laughs> you know, I looked at, you know, some pictures coming off of the north side three years ago, where a guide posted a picture of 13 rams sitting on a post. Yep. Right. I know the one you're talking about. Right. Yeah. And this area is right on the divide of Red Sheep Creek. Well, Red Sheep Creek, we all know, is part of the Eastern Brooks Range Management Area. Mm-hmm. Close to hunting, close to sport hunting yep. in every way, shape, or form, right? And, you know, the rumor is that that guide was sneaking over the border and shooting a few of the of the Red Sheep Creek sheep. Well, there was a, was it Sportsman's for a long time? They had that ram that got confiscated. That was the Red Sheep Con- Creek. Yeah, yeah, it was exactly. In, it was in the case that yep. had the story. Yep. Yeah. Know where you're hunting because this guy shot one in an area that's close. Because this guy fucked yeah. up. And turned himself <laughs> in on it, too. He shot one in the Arctic Village's private hunting ground, and that's all there is to it, you know. And yeah. that's my concern. You know, one of my biggest concerns right now is 
currently the regulatory agencies are managing hunts to provide all these special interest groups their own private little spot to hunt. And that is the downfall of hunting. And what I mean by that is the reason that we go hunting is the opportunity to go out and find find an animal, uh, find one that's that meets our criteria, whether that's a first year spike buck or whether that's, you know, the trophy six by six black tail that never comes along. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of our wish and desire. And a lot of these large corporations that are buying up that the state, I should say, aren't buying up. The state is basically giving them land in gross quantities and then they're restricting hunter access to it um, is a problem. Now there's no money coming in, no revenue coming in the license end of that deal to manage animals in that area. There, you're getting hostile, literally hostile encounters between uh, people who are qualified to hunt in there mm-hmm. via the regulation and, and those people who are um, legal to hunt in there but not part of the gang, yeah. not part of the group. You know, and so that to me is really Alaska is this huge wilderness, right? And I don't care if a big corporation owns a ton of land. Leave the hunting access open. Yeah. You know, um, between what the federal government's done this year, closing down sheep country, and what the corporations have closed down, you know, we're losing huge tracks Mm, of huntable ground all in the name of what appeasing some special interest group yeah well and i mean i think i fully think that the all these subsist federal closures the subsistence board closures are no i think i think the sheep population is the excuse rather than rather than it being a genuine interest in managing sheep managing sheep you know i don't know that i would go that far but i would say that Here's the two different philosophies that are going on in the management agencies. You've got the state that wants to keep everything open. Um, they need to keep everything open to generate enough revenues so that their Pittman-Robertson Act matching funds can give them money to manage game resources. You know, I mean, it's, it's a money game no matter what level you're at. And the problem that we have is that sport hunters, you, me, Thomas, Frank, uh, we're sitting around getting to go sheep hunt without having to buy a sheep tag. So we buy a license. That's about our only cost, right? It's yeah. our only regulatory cost. And I'm a proponent, a huge proponent of, hey, guys, we all need to pay our piece. Sheep tags for resident hunters need to be at least 100 bucks, if yeah. not more than that. I would get, totally I would get behind happily that. happily pay that if every they, year. If they, yeah. You know, and to give us a voice more than anything, yeah. folks, because if we're not paying the money, we don't have a voice. That's simply the way it works. Yeah. As far as like the regulation and the amount of money that comes in from licenses, like it's like a million and a half dollars a year for, for just licenses. Like it's not in the grand scheme of things, it's not that much money. No. And every other state in all the other 49 states, like you're paying significantly more than that to go hunting, which is, I mean, the amount of money we pay for a box of ammo to go hunting is a hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, That's the truth. Well, what the did state needs it? Like, I mean, well, and what did Brad sense. say that they figured there was like eight or 900 sheep hunters this year? 
Was it? What was the total this year? Like it was. Yeah, it's it's it way was, way 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 off from the the normal. It's like less than half of what it. Oh, it's been. It's the third record the lowest number of sheep hunters and third record yeah. lowest harvest, harvest yeah. in a row, right? And that's yeah. been following this declining the declining population. Mm-hmm. I mean, even guides are saying, "Hey, I'm sorry, guy, I can't book a sheep hunt. I don't have a sheep to. And there's not a sheep there to hunt. You yeah. know, my area does not have enough sheep to hunt. I've already sold more hunts than we'll probably harvest. You know, and you look at harvest success ratios with guides are going down. You know. Um, Harvest success ratios for everybody are going down. Yeah, uh, it's it's a grim time in our history right now of sheep in Alaska. You know, and it's not the first grim time. No, they closed sheep hunting statewide back in the fifties, and they kept it closed for two years. And amazingly, and this is the the piece that I just don't understand that you know how we're looking at data, but amazingly, the sheep rebounded tremendously. Hmm. during that time frame now granted that was a time frame when you could shoot half curl sheep you could shoot young sheep and so the impact was much broader i mean back prior to that you could shoot three three sheep a year yeah (laughs) you know and then they hit this wall where they had two bad a couple of bad winters in a row and the population caved in and they closed it completely so the management agency the state of alaska territory of alaska right said nope we're not going to hunt we're going to give them a chance to rebound same thing that you've seen with Canada, right? Canada quit hunting the porcupine caribou herd, quit hunting the 40-mile 40, 40 caribou herd when they went hmm. through population declines because they wanted to give them a chance to rebound. Now, you know, our state guys say, hey, you know, the percentage of human taken caribou out of those herds is nil. Well, what is it? 1%? Uh, less than 1%, right? I mean, I think the porcupine herd harvest is less than a thousand animals both yeah. on the canadian and american side combined mm. right and you got 200 and some thousand yeah. animals in the herd um so but hunting has an impact and so anyway the federal agency said okay state if you're not going to take any actions we are right yeah and our boys at the state are like no you're not you can't there's no there's no justification biologically well Boys, population's on its on its ass. Well, plain and yeah. simple. In the fifties, they had that had a couple a closure for a couple years, but it it rebounded faster than we like to see it. The population of sheep has been down for I don't know, let's call it ten years in Alaska. From what I remember, for my personal experience, down been down for the last ten years in Alaska. And in the fifties, it rebounded way faster, but we also had intensive predator management back then that we don't have now aerial wolf hunting poisoning uh bounties yeah. on the wolves yeah. Kill, probably killing the eagle, predators probably killing eagles oh, back yeah. then yeah yeah i would i would it think. was common yeah. but like we don't we don't do that at all anymore and and we're still fully open 100 percent besides federal land that's being closed so you're like coming that. from so two different directions yes yeah. in the opposite direction we should be going in when the when the <clears throat> everybody knows everybody agrees you look at all the numbers like the yeah. the population's in decline the takes in decline it's because there's not a lot of sheep. Well, and so currently. one of the st- one of the state's arguments, and like I say, I think the state is doing the best they can do with what they've got available to them. And thankfully, this year they got a pretty good pot of funding money to do some studies and to actually gain some data. Uh, as long as you know they use that data to disprove theories instead of prove theories. So if you have yeah. a preconceived notion and you go out and you try to 
reinforce your preconceived notion, that's not science. What do we do with science, right? We come up with a theory, and then we try to disprove the theory until we can't. And then we say, okay, that theory holds water. Well, it looked like Brad, you know, it sounded like with the study, you know, Brad's study that he collared all those rams this year, that his, you know, the hypothesis is that hunted hunted population will show higher young ram mortality than the unhunted. And he's like, you know, he, you know, he says, you know, he doesn't necessarily think it's going to turn out that way, but like that's what they're that's what they're trying to disprove or that's kind of their that's their hypothesis that that the hunted population will show higher young ram mortality yeah it'll be interesting yeah so here's the deal right for that particular study area um marty webb's been flying that study area for i don't know 20 years probably been the one of the primary pilots of fishing game hires to do the surveys and he says, Jerry, he says, that area is like this little magic bubble. He says, we go in there and there's typically somewhere between 1,000 and 1,400 sheep in that area every year we fly it. Oh, okay. He says, and normally we'll fly it. He says, for instance, two years ago, 1,100 sheep, 24 legal rams that we counted from the air. The harvest was 26 legal rams out of that area. He hmm. said, they found a couple that we didn't. Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. And so Fish and Game went on the defensive immediately saying, hey, we're not killing all these sheep the first year they're legal. And so part of their horn horn morphism, whatever they call it, morphism or whatever it is. (laughs) No, it's not. not. But part of their focus there was to try to convince people that, hey, that ram's been legal for a year and a half. I look at it and I say, well, he didn't make it on length. He didn't make it on curl. He's not broomed, but he made it on age. Okay, fine. I'll agree with you. Uh, you know the ram I shot this year? Well, that ram's been legal for five and a half years. Okay, what would he have been? A 28-inch? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, uh, possibly. You know, but they and they admit that, hey... We're trying to make sure people understand or at least believe our part of the argument that we're not killing sheep, every sheep, as soon as it's legal. And I said, but in a lot of areas you are. A lot of areas, Central Alaska Range in particular, probably Mm -hmm. the highest hunting density that there's been because of its access. And for years, because they had lots of sheep there, you know, and mm-hmm. now there's none. But you talk to every hunter, you talk to every hunter pretty much that came out of there, you know, in the last couple of years. And I, you know, they say, oh, I saw seven rams, but not a single legal one. And that was kind of a common theory. Hey, I've saw sheep, but I didn't find a single legal ram in the area. Well, it's every you area know? that has easy access for people from the road system yeah exactly i have a couple friends that hunted the wrangles from the road system this year saw 135 rams in a hunt in a week-long hunt not a single legal ram yeah they're just everything that's accessible from the road system especially in an area like the central alaska (laughs) range that has all these guides in it yeah it's like i don't know where these guys are or how they're how they're squeaker legal in some of these sheep it's like eh, i mean unless you're within close range with a nice spotting scope and yeah. you're counting those rings really good like that's pretty risky well and bless brad woodling's heart for saying guys you got to quit shooting sheep on what you're aging through a spot and scope it's a high risk game and 
you know what? We're going to be forced to ticket. You're going to force to take your ram and ticket you, and you're not going to be hunting the next year. <laughs> you know, and so he's he's trying to, you know, spread the concept that that's a high risk game to sit there and try to aid sheep through a spot and scope. And especially if they're going to say that's a false annuli at it between what was your years this year between four and five. I don't no. know. You see in that video, we counted. We're four and in five the, from in the, the field. We counted. Every, we're all excited. Been, been hunting for three days. We, we sat there and counted 10 and a half based on just rings. Yeah. And then you go in, Oh no. Fishing game says this one's false annually. This one's false annually. And they're like, Oh, we'll see. It doesn't go all the way around. Oh, okay. I kind of buy off on that. All right. Whatever. Eight and a half year old sheep or whatever. But yeah, it, I mean, you're looking at that in a spotting scope, and you say, "Oh, wow, that's a really nice ram." Ten, I mean, potentially ten year old sheep from the spotting scope, but you can bring it into fishing game. They go, "Oh no, these two are false annuli. That's an eight eight year old sheep." Well, if you're counting between six and nine, and you have two false annuli, like, uh, my small roll the dice on the, on <laughs> yeah. the table at Vegas, <laughs> right? No, well, it's just a, <laughs> yeah, you can't. It's important you can't take chances on it. No, but, and with a spotting scope too. If you're with a spotting scope. And you're like, this thing's ten. Well, we're counting in our lot. hands. At, well, oh, this yeah. is no. 10. But I'm, well, I'm <laughs> just saying, like what you're talking about before. Yeah. If you're looking through a spotting scope and you're like, this is a ten year old ram, there's a good chance that it's older. If you are close enough to be thinking that it's ten, mm-hmm. that's a good. Point, it's yeah. going to be an older ram than you even which, think it is. Which we've done. I mean, and, and we like we've, and we've done it a number of times. Well, this this ram, he by the time we were close enough because. You know, Frank's ram was in the group. We knew we wanted to shoot him. And looking him over, I didn't get a good angle. He's kind of a funky sheep. He drops so low. He's kind of a weird sheep in anyway. And looking at him laying there, there was one, another one in the group that, you know, we spent some time looking. And it's like, well, I know that one's seven. And he's not any more than seven. And this one next to him is an older sheep for sure. So I knew, you know. And I think I don't think we, I don't think because we, we've shot a number of them basically really carefully looking at them on age. And they've always been nine or older, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, that was the well, other that thing one Frank that was, was twelve. Gonna, that was the other thing <laughs> that I was just going to bring up was, what do you think? I mean, it's obviously by area, you know, different areas. Like you were talking about, we got there's two different groups of sheep in this area that we hunt a lot, and. These are just kind of like genetically inferior, and these are stud rams, they turn out to be. There's a lot of sheep in the state that will grow old and die and never be full curl and be 10, 12, 13, 14, whatever years old. Yeah, especially out of certain mountain ranges. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, and especially when you shoot every legal ram that makes it full curl, well, they're with your genetics. Genetics are gone. <laughs> so exactly. If every ram that never makes it to fur curl, fur curl, full curl keeps living, well, yep. eventually you're going to have a bunch of not full curl rams that are 14 <laughs> yep. years old. <laughs> so but there's areas that are not like road system areas that are, mm-hmm. that there's just these pockets of sheep that are, so they just never will be anything. Let me ask you that question. So... One of our criteria that we shoot sheep on is old, big, right? We, we really claim we want to shoot 40-inch or better sheep and 10 years old or better. That's kind of the criteria that we've established for what we will harvest. Yep. And the third pool is genetically poor sheep that are never going to be there. 
get them going. That's what I specialize in. (laughs) 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 So the Canadians have done, they're far ahead of us on their sheep studies, right? And they've done studies based on that, that are we, by implementing these trophy sheep regulations, are we... Uh, wiping out that genetic, are we wiping out that genetic, and and their data has shown that, yeah, we're affecting the genetic pool. Um, We see it here with moose in Alaska, right? Moose is the number one. My moose hunting area, I've hunted for 35 plus years, and it's a spike fork 50 or 4 area, and now you can't find very, very, very few moose with four brow tines. Because we've yeah, eliminated that genetic. Yeah. They get shot at 40 inches when they where put is, out four the first where year. Is, you know? Where is, you know, we hunt moose in just in any bull area and all the bigger, you know, any 50 inch really bull nice has four or five time. or six yep. brow tines. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I got friends that hunt moose in the White Mountains and they, they shoot a re- they shoot some really nice moose. Any really nice moose they shoot has six, seven brow tines on each side. Yeah. Like really nice. I'm talking, they only shoot nice bulls, right? And their 40 inch bulls have four or five brow tines. Every single bull we have in 28 is a two brow tine by two brow tine bull. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. they're ugly, but oh, that's 50. Yeah, you know, because every four mm. brow tine bull or across the river, every three brow tine bulls get, get yeah. shot. Well, and like, and like you mentioned, it has to affect it some because when you're saying a large percentage of 40 inch rams are four or 40 inches at seven years old. Yep. Like when they're in that seven and a half year old range is when they went through 40 inches. Yeah. And, there's one ram uh, that we killed young that I wished we had never killed, right? And the reason being is that ram was six and a half years old and was Boone and Crockett. Jeez. And when we spotted him, we sat there, and me and Mike Webb laid on this little ridge and watched him for, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. And we talked about this ram has got it, but look how young he is. And, I mean, it was just really easy to determine that this was a super young sheep. And we decided to pass on him. And we're walking away, and Mike says, you know, Jerry, he says, I've been watching you pack that bow around for a long time. <laughs> he, says, if you can get, he says, if you can get an opportunity, if you can get an opportunity on this ram, yeah, if you can get an opportunity on this ram with your bow, we should take it. He's like, okay, okay. <laughs> well, and so we're walking away, and I said, well, you know, the rest of these sheep, and we, there's this huge band of sheep there that had blown by us. They had smelled us. They got our wind and blew by us, but that ram had stuck in this little spot. And so I said, well, we'll go sit on the trail that all the rest of them sheep escaped on. And, you know, if he comes walking by and gives me a shot, I'll, I, I guess I won't be able to turn that down. You know how many times I've heard that? so we're sitting there and i got an arrow knocked up and i'm sitting on this spot and this little cliff edge and this trail comes out they're going to come out at 30 yards broadside right this ram is if he ever shows up and we're sitting there pretty soon we hear a rock roll i said oh he's on the move and a few literally a few minutes later which seemed like an eternity if you're waiting for something to show up we hear another rock huh the next thing i hear was a ram grunt. It's the only time I've been where I've ever heard a ram make an audible vocal yeah. noise, but he went, eh. and he made that noise from right up behind me. Oh, shit. So I'm sitting like so, and Webb's sitting on my left-hand side. I'm a left-handed bow shooter, <laughs> right? <laughs> Problem. <laughs> and 
I turn my head just really slowly and I look up and this ram is sitting on a pinnacle of a cliff. I don't know, what was he, 17 yards above us? Staring at us like this. And he went, eh. (laughs) (laughs) I said, Mike, he's right there. There's no way I can shoot. Take your pistol, wheel around, and smoke that thing. He cocks his pistol. Wheels around. Shoots that ram right in the throat, and it drops like a ton of bricks. Boom. Dead. And then it starts kicking. And we were literally scrambling because this ram was going to fall on us off of this cliff. <laughs> I mean, it was holy crap. And I, you've seen the pictures of that ram, yeah. right? He got his horn hung up in part of that cliff, and he ended up being suspended in dead airspace off of his yeah. horn. You know, but uh, but that was a ram that broke our rules. He was plenty big enough, but he had so much potential. Everything if you know, he he had grown three and a half inches that year. Oh, right. And was that forty <laughs> four? Was he add a, three and a half to that? Oh, had you seen him the year prior yeah. to that? Oh yeah, you we had been we been it. hunting this yeah. genetic pool for a long time. <clears throat> so we had killed multiple. Boone and Crockett sheep out of there over the previous 10 years. And like Thomas said, this is one of those areas that there was this band of rams that were, their bodies were almost half again bigger than the bodies of the rest of the rams that lived in that country. Total, how well we knew these sheep, total there was 26 sheep on this mountain, 26 rams on this mountain, and about 40 ewes and lambs that would be blended in with them. And they were in two distinct bands of rams. And one were, you know, like that. 12 inch, 12 and a half inch based. 36 He's a little, 30, little 36, bigger. 36 <laughs> inch. Wait a minute. No. We'll put a tape on him. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be the Tape's, judge of that. Tapes don't lie. <laughs> anyway, but sub, thir- sub 13 inch base yeah. rams. And, uh, you know, and maturing at 36 inches and just not produce anything beyond mm. that. You know, and I see a lot of those being harvested by guides today because that's the only thing they can find, right? And I mean, I would harvest them to cull them off because I don't want them breeding. But in that area, and then there was this other band of rams, and there would be in any given year five to seven rams in that group, and they had it. I mean, their bodies were massive, way bigger than the average ram. I mean, just massive bodied sheep and headgear to go with it and just special sheep. Well, and five, five to six that are that are legal out of those dozen with those genetics, because even when they're super young, like three-quarter, Already you, can tell, yeah. you can tell, okay, that ram needs to live. This yeah. ram over here, never going to make Gone. it. But there's five, six sheep that are legal, and then there's two or three where you're like, oh, Okay, and there may be one that's old enough, and that's where that that ram you guys are talking about with, mm-hmm. with Mike's was one of those that was in the two or three. There might have been an older ram there that probably should have been taken. By. Oh yeah, there was I two mean, other, other older sheep that got when, by us already. When, when you get a couple of older guys on a hill at seventeen yards, I don't think anything's gonna survive. <laughs> <laughs> two younger guys, two younger legal <laughs> sheep shaking. Well, by. so in that area, you know how it got destroyed. I took a friend in there hunting, and it's a guy I'd hunted with before. I'd taken him into some other—he'd killed multiple sheep with me before, 
and he opened his mouth. And he opened his mouth to a coworker. And next thing you know, here comes a hot rod guide that's really jumping around in there. It took him about a it took two or three two years. years before he showed up. But once he showed up, ruined it in two years. Two hunting seasons. The first year the first year that he showed up, you know how I figured out he showed up? I went in to fly to fly it two days before season opened and he had five tents on the mountain already. And this is a small, yeah. It's a small twenty six area. Twenty six rams total. You're talking, you're talking six, seven, eight, nine legal, like legal sheep. There's not a large population of animals. There were seven legal no, rams, seven legal rams, and confined to four an of them area. were from the yep. genetically good herd. Yeah, right? yeah. And he killed them all. He killed five of them the first year, and the next year, uh, when I preseason flew it, there was two legal rams, one that was a decent sheep and one that was just a legal sheep, and he killed both of them, you know, and it was like, and then there was none. And, you know, then that's just and, up and, and coming stuff. Year, yeah. No guide. Yeah. Cool. So Run in. What's left. Kill it. Yeah. Well, yeah. with a population that small. Yeah. There's just nothing, nothing to do. Nothing left. So it's, it's one too, of those. It's too small to continue to hunt as a guide. Like, you're not going to have... 50 rams on a hill where okay there's going to be three that make that legal age where we can right. or, or four or five whatever that make that legal legal age where we can take clients in there no it's just like come in burn it go and it's a genetically isolated little spot mm-hmm. i mean these rams aren't there's no other population of sheep that's migrating in and out of there yeah you know so that's another piece is you know we've got sheep that are territorial that that group obviously territorial because they were completely out of any way to travel to even another mountain range that was i mean they could do it but it would be rare and then you've got migratory rams you know and i've watched rams migrate better than 150 miles wow prior to and during hunting season in fact one ram in particular we watched uh him and a little junior he was uh well he was a 39 and a half inch ram old and he had a little three-quarter curl ram with him in tow. And we watched him come clear out of the divide country south down through the country. You know, and he got to where we were hunting this one area where the guide that had had it for years died in an airplane accident. And it took a couple of years before another guide got in there. But the guide that had had it before him had been very selective, just like we were, and mm-hmm. was really producing some nice sheep. And we got we took full advantage of that. We took, I forget nine 40 inch sheep out of there in eight years i think you know but uh he uh anyway this ram came down and we're watching him every week i was watching i'd go up and i'd find him again and holy crap he's still coming south still coming south still coming south you know and we happened to be there on the mountain that day that he came into this other group of rams right so there was a band of i think nine rams and they were just average sheep. I mean, but there was several legal sheep in that bunch. And here comes this old dude in with his little partner. And he came up to each of those rams. When he entered the herd, he came up to each of those rams, and he reared up, and he smacked them one single time hard. And then he put his chin between their horns, and he drove them to the ground. Huh. And then he'd go to the next one. And he did that to every ram in that band. You know, it was the most bizarre wow. sheep behavior I have ever seen. And it See, was like, that I'm in charge is cool. Yeah, well, right. when he did that to the last ram, we shot him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you go, asshole. <laughs> oh, man. 
pretty, that's really cool. And just, yeah, like I said, a lot of, a lot of years of looking at sheep to see these intricate details, which is why, like, you're, you know, one of, I'll say few people I listen, <laughs> I would listen to about, about <clears throat> this kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's the more, the more I sheep hunt, the, um, I just feel dumber. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I know less and less. Well, and my perspective's a little different in that I don't have any money in the game, meaning that, yeah. you know, there's guides that have harvested more sheep than I've been around, mm-hmm. um, but they have money in the game and their objective is different. Um, back in the old days, back when guides had exclusive guiding areas, it, they hunted much differently than they do today, yeah. you know, and I was in that era, right, where, yeah. hey, they were selective on what they harvested and they didn't sell three times the hunt that they had sheep to, you mm-hmm. know, because their reputation was their life. Their yeah. reputation was their livelihood. And so they, you know, some of these guys were like, hey, you know, I promised to show you a 40-inch ram. And they could do it. Yeah. You know, I can't promise that you can kill it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I don't know how you shoot, especially when a 40-inch ram shows up. But I promised to show you one, you know. And um, some of those guys I had deep respect for you know and some of the other ones not so much but you know they had uh morals and integrity Mm -hmm. operating in their areas yeah well there was an incentive to manage to manage their the area and there's still incentive to today but you know what when there's no repercussion for selling eight hunts to kill two sheep yeah what incentive is there, right? I mean, there's no financial incentive for them. Yeah. Um, you know, it used to be a big thing for a lot of the, uh, what do they call it? The Alaska Professional Hunters Association, right? Which is basically mm-hmm. the guiding association um, of who harvested the best quality sheep or best quality moose or best quality caribou. You know, there was a lot of pride in that, hey, my hunters took number two and three this year or whatever, you know. And nowadays it's, I, I don't know, you just don't get the feeling that that mentality exists anymore they're all about i made three hundred eighty thousand on sheep hunts this year you know oh cool how many sheep did you shoot two that's where we read, <laughs> that's where you read a lot of jake's books and he's got oh well this we he tells a story about a hunt and then this was the number two caribou for the year for that competition or whatever mm-hmm. and that was back in the 80s well to the point that like jake says there's and Jake is Jake, Jake Jacobson, Master Guide number fifty four, I think. Fifty four, and you know he's got some books out. Yeah, he's done it since. Uh, I think it's probably his first year guiding was about sixty five or six or something, you know. And he's just this is the first year he's not going to renew his guide license. Oh wow! Because he's eighty. Yeah, you know he's eighty and his his physically just can't do it anymore, and it it pains him greatly not to be able to. But, yeah. But that's, you know, that's you got, the way we all, we all get to, we all get to be <laughs> yeah, old right? sheep in the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got several books out um, and he's a great storyteller. If you get, if you look up Jake Jacobson on Amazon, I think he's got about eight hunting books out now. And then he's got a couple of uh, other books, you know, his latest one is, uh, I want to be cowboy is about his youth growing up on yeah. a farm, on a ranch in Montana. 
hmm. you know, and the hard life that it was and learning some valuable life lessons, you know, but yeah, I don't, I don't read very many books. It has to get me super interested to like finish a book, but I've like read a couple of Jake's books yeah. now and I, that's what I read back and forth to the slope when I'm on the airplane. I'm oh, like, nice. these got some really good Stories. I don't even know how to read. Yeah. <laughs> That's the hardest part is learning. Yeah, how to right. Read for Tyler. <laughs> they, they come on tape now. <laughs> Somebody will read it to you. I have dictation on my computer. Yeah. No. Um, so yeah, you uh, and you. How long you been working on the slope, Thomas? Oops. Here, I'll yeah. Oh, we'll take care of you first. Wow. Exactly. Frank. My first. Uh, I've been up there for. Three and a half years now. I went to went to Process Tech at UAF, and and it took me three years to get a job. On One the of the smart guys, the well, Process Tech guys. <laughs> associate's degree is not really doesn't really count. But anyway, I yeah, three and a half years up there, and that's really opened up the opportunities as far as having time off in hunting season when you work a two and two schedule. Yeah, and then when your dad kind of retires at the same time, all of a sudden you have all this time in the world to really be in the woods. It's like it's super super lucky like what we get to do on any given day much less during hunting season in alaska when you got two weeks off at a time it's pretty it's pretty lucky especially when you're in the backseat of a super cup <laughs> yep speaking of shooting you talked about shooting i noticed in your uh your caribou hunt video you had a uh empty quiver well, you had yeah, an empty you had quiver. To bring that up, <laughs> you had an empty you? quiver, but you also had an interesting little like uh, kind of mark on on your forehead there. Did you, did you get yourself when you were sheep hunting? No, that I remember you asking. Yeah, asking I have about no that. idea what I I got a piece of brush or something. Oh, now, gotcha. If you look at the year I killed that big ram the year before, yeah, you see a scope cut there, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, and it's not from shooting a large caliber rifle. It was shooting a right-handed rifle from a very awkward position. <clears throat> With a guy's a different, not my gun, right? I was packing my bow, and uh, anyway, it was. Uh, it's what firmly convinced me that a Creedmoor was no longer an eligible round for my <laughs> for my repertoire. <laughs> Kicks one, too hard. For one, it kissed <laughs> <laughs> him right in the forehead. <laughs> no, I. You know. Every, we can have the caliber discussion all you want. Yeah. And there's so much passion around the Creed, which I don't get it. I've shot that gun on a few occasions now, and I'm not impressed at all with the ability to kill. It is deadly accurate, don't get me wrong. So if I'm going to head shoot stuff, that's fine round. But if I'm going to rib shoot stuff, it's worthless as tits on a boar hog as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. I may, I may need a little bit more of this whiskey, but we might go, <laughs> go to blows over it. <laughs> I'm an old school 270 guy. For 270 is right? a good round, yeah, man. It is, it is a killing round. And Usually I'm, the all, pretty much all the sheep I've shot with 6.5, they just fall, fall on their face. Yeah. Well, I put two <laughs> in that big ram's ribs. And he, I mean, he felt completely unaffected. In fact, Alan Mortensen teased me that I had missed. <laughs> and I said, there's no way I freaking missed that shot. He says, look at the sheep. <laughs> it's still on his feet. And I pumped another one in, you know, and it was like, and they were both, I mean, within a couple inches of each other right in the rib cage, and just had zero effect on the ram. I mean, other than he started staggering after a minute, right? Yeah. You know, but... Um, did I'd, he never, shoot? I'd never had that experience with my 270. Two, <laughs> 270s, a hell of a gun. One man. rifle? We had one rifle. And one he bow. shot after you or before you? After. After you. Yeah. yeah. 
So I told one of those my airplane, you know, that story. Get the hell out of my way! I'll take your rifle and leave you here. Well, the story was we got onto those sheep, you know, and when we it took us two and a half days to find them from the ground. I mean, we could not find that sheep from the ground, right? And it was like, where in the heck did they go? And when we finally found them, the wind was perfect. They were down low, and we made the stock into about 250-ish yards, and then we were stuck. We were out of terrain, right? And I told Alan, I said, Alan, I said, I think I can back up, get back where I have some terrain, get down below these sheep, and sneak right up over the knob they're bedded on, and I'll have a bow shot. And he says, oh, well, yeah, that might work. He says, but you know, he says, if those rams get up, I'm going to be forced to shoot them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be forced to shoot the one, your ram. I'm going to be forced to shoot the long one. (laughs) He's not going to get away. And so before before we, like, continue any further, when Frank and I go cheap hunting, we, you know, one pair of pants, but two pairs of underwear in case you shit the first one. <laughs> Probably would have to switch to the second pair of underwear after. In- That's why you guys these can't rams. get to sheep. You're carrying too much weight and clothes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm going to leave the second pair of underwear at home <laughs> from here on out. So if we talk about elements that create success in sheep hunting, um, the number one element is mindset. Absolutely, positively, you know, and and I watch guys and listen to stories and, you know, and that's why I was thrilled that you had drawn a Harper tag the year that they had seen the big ram in there the year before, because here's a guy that got a hunting partner and they're goers. Right. And so we went, yeah. (laughs) And, and so if anybody deserves to find and shoot that sheep, that's the, the guys that deserve that sheep. Right. And versus the. Barney Fife from Wasilla. This is the first time I ever threw a sheep tag and it was Harper. And I'm going to go get one. Well, is this a big well, that, one? That guy probably would have gone in there and got that ram. So I had drawn Harper two years before that. And I had preseason flown the crap out of it and could not find a ram as good as one I had up in another area. No shit. No shit. And I didn't I, know that. I found one pretty good sheep there, but not a boomer. You know, I mean, he was... My guess is he was sitting right about 40 inches and he was heavy, you know, but he was nothing fancy. Most of those Harper sheep don't get real fancy, but, yeah. you know, he was he was a pretty good sheep. And, you know, I thought, huh, well, that's the best I've seen. And I flew it enough that I flew not just Harper Complex, the area mm-hmm. that's actually open to hunt, mm-hmm. but most of those sheep live outside of that complex for most of the year and they move in there during mm-hmm. hunting season. And I flew the the fringes of that and just had not. You know, I spent 25, 30 hours in the air in a cub looking and did, didn't find anything special, you know, in, during the course of that summer. And up north, I had had a spot that was, I've been watching the sheep for several years. And when I went and looked at him that year, he was he was at that slow-moving yeah. stage. He's at the plodding stage. You know, and that turned out to be a heck of a good ram. That's that real heavy broomed-off sheep that we shot. But, uh so I've squandered a toke tag. The year I drew toke was the first year after the population really started to collapse in there. Yeah. And there again, I flew that hard three or four times that summer and could not come up Nothing. with a rent. Not come up with a special sheep there. There was sheep. There was legal sheep there. Yeah. But nothing. None, none of those fancy. You know, and toke is infamous for long. But yeah. Not, but not heavy. Right. They just don't have mass. But 
they do have some corkscrews living in that part of the world, but not not lately. Not that you could find anyway. Nobody else is finding them either, <laughs> right? I mean, true enough. Yeah, well, like that. I, I mean, I drew it in 2018. That's a toke sheep, and man, my excitement like got the maybe got the little better of me. They did he still have milk on his lips? I'm kidding. I had the taxidermist <laughs> remove it, <laughs> but he they came across on a uh, I. It was. I think I, sh- I ended up shooting him on the twelfth. So I spent a couple days glassing the heads of three different drainages. I was on the ridge line and not really seeing anything. And I saw a group of five rams a few miles on the ridge line, on kind of the one ridge line going out to the main river in that area. I saw like a couple of them, like the had enough mass to be the worth of closer look mm-hmm. and uh i saw i did see i guess across the canyon i saw a couple just legal rims and uh so i well i decided i'd have to move and go out that ridge line to get a closer look at those rims and i had gone around the mountain i was on a dip down and go up a cut to get on top of the around some crags and came up in a saddle sat down undid my pack was about to because it was a spot that skip was like oh we've killed some big rims in this bowl and undid my pack was about to climb over and peek over and a ram comes walking around the corner 100 yards away kind of opposite the saddle from me and lays down and so the spot and scope get the spot and scope out and i've got some video of him he's just a nine-year-old just nice ram like all right well i'm not gonna shoot him then another ram pops up then another ram pops up and then this one just popped over and i could see the top of his head and then laid down and I could just see from here up and that horn like that. <laughs> and I pretty quickly the talked, horn coming back. Pretty oh. quickly <laughs> back pretty good. Pretty quickly talked myself into it. I was like, well, I better shoot this ram as soon as he st-. I had the thought I know I could shoot him right between the eyes. <laughs> but <laughs> I, figured, I better shoot this ram as soon as he stands up and I you know, whatever not that it really matters by myself and I'm like I just talked myself into shooting him. And he was a good he's a good ram. But that's uh, another thing with having somebody else with you. You can have somebody talk can you be out like, of care like, like a fly swatter. Don't you nope. dare <laughs> fucking even look at that anymore. We're done. We're moving on. <laughs> well, that's where we get arguing about size all the time. And dad always gets super excited. Oh, man. Look at that. Oh, 42 plus 45. Me too. He's giant. And I am. I, I feel like I'm pretty conservative on my guessing. And if you guys watch like, like the, the my Ram video this year. We argue back and forth in that video a little bit. Like, we've been arguing about it for four days on this ram. And, and I happen to be within half an inch of, of the guest, but that's one thing I've, I've taken with my dad. He's always gets a little bit excited, and i got to talk him I was talk only him down an inch a little off. bit. Well, i got to talk him down on it. That's about every sheep. I remember a 39-inch ram three years ago that you killed. Beautiful, perfect, symmetrical, tight curl right into his face, 39-inch ram that you were calling. 44 from the first time we saw him and then he got down to 42 and I've never the first done time that. I put the glasses on him I said dad dad that ram's 39 no 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 much bigger than that but anyway yeah that ram ended up being 39 but just as beautiful a sheep as you could shoot I've done that I've killed two 40 inch rams <laughs> that I thought were that are, that are both, neither both of them are 39 40, huh? yeah, but 39 and 7 eighths and 30 Seven and seven eights. Yeah, that like one. That. that was. I was like, oh man. 
That's uh, good. Yeah. I'm an optimist. <laughs> I'm an, I am too, you know. <laughs> so one of the most unique toke sheep I've ever seen was killed by Mark Clark. I think it was in 1982 off of the road. So toke comes right out to the highway, mm-hmm. and a lot of the guys that can't afford to fly in would park on the highway there and hike up those creeks and hunt that, right? It's really not that far to sheep country. It's No, it's not. There. It's totally You can accessible. almost do it in a day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's totally back. accessible. Anyway, he shot a ram in there that was curl and an eighth, curl and a quarter. I mean, well past full curl. 28 inches. Wow. Holy shit. <laughs> Both sides. Wow. Court, clear back, beyond, I mean, 28 inches. The smallest full curl sheep I've ever seen. It's like hmm. that ugly little thing up in the that was my third sheep very yep. similar yep yeah like i said picking out the bad genetics <laughs> it's my cross to bear <laughs> <laughs> well and that's where you look at that ram and his curl is not falling far into his face no you no. look at this ram this ram here has got good genetics his yeah. curl drops well well below his jaw yeah he it's does it's like out. he it's, it's not, like he just didn't he didn't get the amount of growth in these early years to like no, really no. be. Well, he's got he's got it there. He doesn't have the super growth years here. He's got the super. If he had the super yeah. growth years, in yeah, that four I five six, that. Yeah. that that cranks him out to long and deep. When they got the deep drop, then if you got the deep drop and a curl and eighth, you're looking at a, a whopper thing, ram. Yeah. Still, yes. you're looking odd. It's like. Instead of going well, this way, no, he's got he's, he's got it. It's got like some side. people this would way. almost call him would call him not full curl. He's not. They did yeah. it full. He's yeah, not yeah, full yeah. curl. Yeah, you know, he's not full curl by their definition. Yeah, exactly. But you look at that sheep. If you look at the most, I won't say most, quite a few of the really long sheep, the really corkscrews. Mm-hmm. You know how they got that long? Those horns didn't come back up to the base. Yeah, they laid out here. Yeah. You look at that corkscrew ram I shot. Mm-hmm. They lay out here so that they don't get impacted when they're fighting. Gotcha. Right, and so yeah, not, makes sense. If so they come up, if they come off. up into that range, then they, they then they can right get off. broke off. Yeah. You know, and Brad and those guys are like, "Well, Jerry, what's your opinion on why some sheep get really long and some sheep don't?" And I said, "I, you know, my opinion is it's about attitude." So if you got sheep with a bad attitude, and they said, so, well, what do you mean? I said, well, look at these two rams, right? Mortensen shoots this broomed-off massive brute, right? Yep. That's been battling his whole life. Yep. Looked like from the time he was a lamb on, right? Yep. Was full-on fighter. And then my ram that, you know, I, I tease is... My ram was that queer boy that <laughs> never never got in a fight his whole life. Wouldn't want to touch anything, exactly. No. And, and, you know, and I, I told him, I said, guys, I believe those two rams are brothers. I think they were sired by the same ram. You think so? I said, yeah, just start looking at the years that are there and compare them. And they both lived in the same country. They were both in a very isolated spot where no other sheep were getting there. And my guess is those rams were sired by the same father. Probably the same. Well, they were both 12 and a half year old sheep. Probably yeah, by the same, same year. Yeah. The same litter. So, right? Yeah. And so they had the exact same growth opportunities. Exact mm-hmm. same. Well. And they both pretty at least much utilized half, it. Yeah. At least half the genetic potential, you know. Right. And, uh, and they both grew into phenomenal sheep. You know, it's just the one was an old bruiser that knocked it all off. You know? Yeah. 
And anyway, so, yeah, you can't beat genetics. What's your, both of you, would you rather shoot a tipped-out ram or would you rather shoot a broomed-off ram? I know this is like everybody's got their, like, <laughs> pick, and I know what I'd, I personally just love to see the tips. I, you know, I, I could care less about a broomed ram myself. You, you see that picture, Marty Webb and his ram? <laughs> yep. That's the ram like I'd that. rather shoot. <laughs> he's broomed off and he's tipped out. Right. Well, that's like the the Dodge Ram, like the, the old you know Ram Charger hood. Yeah, yeah. Like well, that's like I mean that's deep comes real in. Tight, to me, that's a better looking out. ram than the than the Swank Ram. The oh yeah, absolutely. Ram. Well, for sure. Yeah. So here's the thing. Understand that that's a picture. So if you saw Marty Webb's ram hanging on the wall, it does not look as impressive as that picture does. I don't know if you ever got a chance to go I see it. Seen it in no. person, go no. see it in person. He's he took it to Missouri with him now, I think. But um, doesn't look as impressive as in the picture. It does, that picture looks more impressive than the ram does in person, right? Don't get me wrong. That it's is a, a super duper best ram oh, ever. Never see it. Never see it in your life. Like, yeah, I mean, at least yeah. on the hoof. It's right. the it's the best ram. Like I say, trophy wise, that has ever been killed. Probably, you know, um, you get those big Chugach wide sprawling rams, and they just don't have that sexy flair. Yeah. So I like sexy sheep. I like the ones that tip in tight and then lay way out. Long yeah. as you're laying off the Velcro gloves. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and see, my my opinion is sheep sheep's kind of a little bit different than like if you look at non-typical versus typical deer or caribou or moose or whatever. Because all the antlered animals, I like the junk, all the crap hanging yeah. off the side. He wants the most symmetrical, perfect frame, side-by-side -side thing. I want the ugliest, weirdest-looking thing. Till it I walks in front of the tent, right? Yeah, well, well, there's the, yeah. <laughs> but as far as sheep, I think I'm I'm kind of the same. I want that really pretty. The first ram, or the second ram I ever killed was about the prettiest sheep I probably ever shoot in my life. Well, I, <laughs> I told him when he shot it, after I missed it five times with my bow, <laughs> <laughs> when he shot that ram, you know, I walked quiver situation. <laughs> I walked up, I walked up to Thomas and I said, "You know, son, you may kill a bigger ram than this. You will never kill a prettier ram than this." And that's absolutely the truth. That ram is just totally, perfectly symmetrical, good flare. You know, didn't carry a lot of mass, but decent mass. I mean, forty-two squared ram didn't make the book. But uh, just a beautiful sheet. This is tips point, yeah. almost straight out, perfect ninety. By oh, the time they awesome. come around, they're just uh, such a such a pretty ram. You can't get it any yeah. better than that. Yeah, it is. I kind of started out good too. Well, that moose on the wall, kind of outside my office. That's that was the first big game animal I ever killed when I was seventeen. Right at the year a year after we moved up here, my first year as a resident was right at sixty inches. Still have not killed a bigger moose than that. And then the next, the following spring, started, my uncle helped me start my own bear bait. And we, uh, I, I killed the biggest black bear that I'll ever, ever hope to even see in the interior probably. It was 21-inch skull and squared right at 8 foot. Yeah, I've seen one bear like Quarter that. mile off one of these highways not too far out of town. <laughs> <laughs> Like not, it was unreal. But just something you're never gonna, and I'll never, likely never find. I probably again. will never top that. So I'm not picking on you, but I noticed this. Just pour it on me. I'm I noticed. Used to it. No, no, I noticed this theme, right? I noticed this theme that, uh, you know, I killed this this bull moose that was just right at sixty, and I haven't seen, I haven't shot another sixty inch since. 
And why is that? Because you shoot the first one. Because I don't give a shit. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's not that you don't care because you do care, right? I mean, it still bugs you a little bit that I haven't shot another 60-inch moose. But if you continue to shoot smaller, younger animals because the opportunity presents itself first, you will never shoot bigger, older animals. Yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. You know, and my reinforcement for that is the number of sheep that i've killed late season because i passed up sheep all season long and you know this year uh, i'm sheep hunting on the north slope the first week of september right and we had a rule we had a rule (laughs) we had a rule you are off the slope by the first week of september because you will get snowed in right and the climate has changed and don't get me wrong yeah climate change is real it's obvious. Is it human caused? I don't buy that for a half a second, right? <laughs> and NASA doesn't buy it either. They talk about the oscillations of the Earth and its yeah. orbit and this, and that that's what's creating these big climate swings. And then, you know, somehow we get this fanatical idiot bunch of people that say, oh, no, that's all because of human smog. Yeah. No. Well, you ever see a forest fire? It's not human <laughs> smog, folks. Anyway, this year, you know... Uh, I'm going late because, one, there was only one good ram that we had kind of pegged for the harvest this year. And most my other super good area had been wiped out by a guide a couple years prior. And uh, I had done a bunch of looking. I flew all the 40-mile country. Well, then the feds closed the 40-mile country open, you know, closed that down two weeks into the season not even that it was right at the beginning like four days before the season yeah i was gonna say two days before the season yeah anyway you know so that option was off the table um the area that i shot the really long ram i went and flown that wasn't a single sheep to be seen there i'd never seen a sheep there before and have not seen one since (laughs) but you know a couple of years it was just last year you killed that (laughs) (laughs) yeah but this is an area that we used to we were going on a fishing trip literally we were headed north going fishing and it's an area that I've flown by before, and I've looked at several times. In fact, 25 years before that, we had seen a band of rams on that same mountain being pushed by two wolverines back and forth. And it was like, holy crap, look at that. You know, but anyway, so I end up on the North Slope, really on a beachcombing trip. I went and stopped to see Jake to see if I could help him because he's getting too old to do it, you know. And Jake said, there ain't nothing going on around here. At his lodge, he's got a lodge clear over by Kotzebue. And he says, there ain't nothing going on around here. I said, yeah, I sure didn't see any caribou, you know. And he says, yeah, we haven't seen any. And he had his uh, his stepson there with him. So Jake's 80, his stepson must be 60-something. But I said, well, if you guys want, I'll fly you to the north coast. And there's got to be some caribou between here and there somewhere and then we can hunt a few days and then we can fly back and he says oh no no that would be way logistically just way too much well all right so i'm not going to squander this good weather and off i went and i started doing my north slope beachcombing trip and uh as i went along i get to dead horse as a one of my refueling stops and i'm in the dead horse airport and a guy says oh man he says you got to fly to cactovi he says there is a pile like 34 polar bears at the boneyard in Cactovi. And I said, well, the last time I was there, there was 20-something. <laughs> but, yeah, that would be cool to see. I should go. And I'd seen a few polar bears already on the coast run there. 
anyway, I start heading there and I'm flying along that coast and I'm fueled up heavy. And I thought, well, you know, this is the most boring stretch there is to beachcomb until you actually get to Kaktovik and see the boneyard. And then there's, there's really no, there's just nothing of interest in that whole stretch. So I might as well fly over to the mountains and I'll look at the country from the old days that we used to hunt back in the 80s. And I'm flying and just beelining because I'm headed right for a spot. I wanted to go check a spot near the Canadian border. Over, had a few sheep in, on my queue, <laughs> you know, and I, I don't even get there when I see this big bull muskox all alone. <laughs> that is a cool old critter. And, uh, and anyway, so I turned back around and I went and I landed on that muskox and I got out my video camera and shot some video and set up a camp and started hunting. Well, the first day back up into that country, so a half a day, day, day and a half later, I spotted that sheep, but the weather came in and snowed and rained and fogged and there was no, there was just no way to approach, right? Back to camp. And I'm kind of sore after that first day because I put 15 and a half hours in that day staggering around in the snow on vertical nasty stuff trying to figure out a way to locate him. The second day I get up, the second day I rested, I said, eh, and the weather was kind of crap. Third day I get up and I go up in there again and I find him again. And that time I closed the gap to 480 yards and had him in the spot scope for quite a while, and you know I'm trying to determine, and I'm thinking, hmm, that's a pretty good sheep. Lay down, and I take one shot, and I missed him badly. And I thought, well, I missed him bad enough, I dare not throw any more lead at him and run him clear out of the country. And I watched, and he walked off over the top of a hill, you know. And you're, I mean, you're watching for blood, but I missed him way, way high. So the third day I get up in there and uh, I find him and the weather gets a little nasty again and I lose him again and don't come up with him. It's like, and so I get back to camp that night and I'm camped clear back at an airplane and it's like seven and a half miles to the bottom of this drainage and another couple to the top of the mountain and back. I mean, I was doing some miles and I get back to camp and I thought, you know, maybe it's just not meant to be this year. And I was, you know, kind of getting wore down a little bit, tired. Wore down, he's on day seven of solo. And then I cooked another ribeye steak. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a good meal. I got some good rest. And my over the course of the night, I convinced myself that in the morning, I'm just going to fold up camp, put it in my airplane, and leave. You know, it was just time to get off the slope. Because the weather, if the weather was good, I needed to get off of here. Because it's really getting to the end of that weather window. First week of September. Yeah, that was on like the 8th of September. Mm-hmm. And so I get up the next morning, and it's like, well, the weather was beautiful. I mean, gorgeous. I'm not sore, right? I, I'm past being sore, you know, and I thought, huh, well, this would be foolish to squander this opportunity <laughs> when you think this 40-inch ram is up there, right? Uh, so up the mountain I went, and... That morning going in, the sun's not even up yet. I mean, it's it's just hitting the one side of this hill, and there's this literally a, a pyramid-shaped mountain. 
and the sun's hitting this one side, and that ram was bedded in this little hole on the dark side of that. And this was like 10 in the morning when I – and something just told me, you know, dig out your spot and scope and scan that over. That sheep's got to be here somewhere. And it wasn't anywhere near where he was the day before, yeah. but it just something just told me that you need to look. And I set up my spot and scope, put it on the mountain, just tightened her down to take a look, and what's in the scope itself – Without scanning, that ram laying wow. there. And all you could see was his neck and his horns. And this was at 1,500 yards. I mean, Almost it, a was mile, just, yeah. it was a, just a gift. You know, and I said, okay, okay, God, you showed me that sheep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went, holy crap, what's the chances of that? You know, and off up into that drainage I went, and I made careful note of, okay, I'm going to come up that sunny side. Uh, because he's over on the shady side. I'm going to come up that sunny side. When I get to that rock configuration, that's where I want to whip around, and I'll be about his same elevation. I don't want to go in above him. I don't want to go in below him. I want to go in right where he's at. So I do. I get up there, and it takes me it takes me time to climb steep, rugged stuff anymore. It's not like a young buck that can just charge up the hill. So I get up there, and it takes me, I don't know, <laughs> takes me two hours. <laughs> two hours, maybe, and I'm at the top. <clears throat> And I get to that spot, and I, okay, this is the spot, and I start working my way around. No sheep. Well, he, oh, must, be, he must be still going around <laughs> there. And my path up on that sunny side, I had this whole open hillside, and it's vertical enough. There's nothing getting by me. Mm. You know, I mean, there's just, I can see it. And I start working my way around, and 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 no sheep, no sheep, no sheep, no sheep, no sheep, sheep's gone. I said, ah. Oh. Where did Houdini go now? I had already nicknamed this ram Houdini. He'd gotten away three other days, you know. And, I thought, <laughs> and that doesn't happen in my world, it really, yeah. especially when I'm carrying a rifle. That just doesn't happen. Like to say, you wake up, it's a killing day. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I go to the top of that thing, and it's one of these sawed-off flat tops where the wind has cut it literally flat. And there was about that much snow on it and no sheep tracks. And I buzz back, buzz. nope, that sheep didn't come across this top. Hmm. And he couldn't have gone out the bottom. I have big-time view of that. He had to have gotten by me this way. There's no freaking way. He's got to be over this edge somewhere. So I get over this edge, right, and I start. And if he goes beyond that drainage, it's no man's land. I mean, it's miles and miles and miles away from home. Anyway, I start working that edge, looking in every little drainage, right, every little creek, every little spot. And I get back around. Uh, and there he is feeding 200 yards off the bottom. <laughs> and I said, all right, there's a gift. Now, not only did God show me he that, packed sheep, himself down he to the packed bottom, that right? sheep for me, <laughs> you know, and my comment on video was, well, the good news is I found this sheep and he's down at the bottom and I got to go to the bottom anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and so I snuck down the hill, got set up a couple hundred yards above that sheep. And that's really the first time I knew he wasn't 42, but I still thought probably 40, you know, as you're talking through that in your head. But also I noticed that he did not have much space around his ear. You know, the drop wasn't there, but man, he's sexy. He had the flare, you know, and sexy counts for a couple inches. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. 
I laid down in the 270, put him to sleep. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I know that that feeling. We we're it was this year was nice to lay after a couple of years not killing killing any was we've talked about circling around be like god oh, these things they they got to be here somewhere and then finally like oh right there <laughs> it's interesting we though can, too that like the talking that we're doing like how you approach sheep how you approach sheep if tyler didn't shoot that sheep and i hadn't shot the sheep that i would have shot one of four other people for sure would have killed both of those rams that were, that were in the field within days of us killing yeah. those rams. Mm-hmm. I hate I hate combat hunt. <clears throat> that's a yeah. That's a problem. When you and it wasn't not while we were out there because we could have easily been like, okay, well, because there was nobody there. But mm, 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 really, they would have been killed. Yeah, that's, guaranteed. That's a bummer. <clears throat> After the fact. <clears throat> We hunted some areas uh, in the Southern Brooks Range for years that <clears throat> we were just producing quite a few 40-inch sheep out of. I mean, our worst year was 239s. And this was this area that the guide had died in. He had died in a float plane yeah. accident a couple of years prior to that, and no, but no other guide had really moved in there. And so we had this country kind of to ourselves. But, you know our reputation had preceded ourselves and several guys were tracking us, you know, and you know, they were, if they knew I was going in the field, they were in looking in the places they thought we were at looking for the airplane sitting on the ground. Yeah. Well, and it's like you, you bring that up. It's interesting. What in other places, it's other animals, mule deer will do make people do, just what critters sometimes will the lengths that they'll make people go to where it's like if you just if you just worried about yourself and went and just about did before. your own thing you your own spot exactly <laughs> spend the amount of time luck. worrying about me worry about yourself you'd <laughs> yep. be fine you'd be doing the same thing I'm doing kind of kind of thing you know we're not none of us are immune to it and no. what I what I say why I say that is if I told you today Tyler I know right where there's a 43 inch ram. I'm going to be sniffing around. You're going to look, right? You cannot help yeah. yourself. When Paul and Marty shot those two rams, we had heard the story the year before. Yeah. Um, they were coming back from one of their favorite hunting spots, which we knew where that was, heading back to town, and they flew over those sheep on their way back to town and saw them and thought, man, those have got to be had. And those guys went in there with archery equipment, and they hunted hard for a couple of weeks and ended up shooting them with rifles, ended up shooting both those rams with rifles. But I would be completely lying to you if I said I didn't spend at least 300 hours in the back of a cub looking for that spot. And we found it. But did you go there and actually hunt it? Um, Find it is one thing. Did we go there and actually hunt it? Yes, we did. Yeah. Yep. We didn't find it because we looked at their pictures and tracked it down. We found it because we knew this corridor, this several hundred miles band that we figured it had to be in. You know, and uh, did we ever kill a whopper sheep out of there? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> did I kill one with the same genetic potential of Marty's did? 
yep. But he didn't have anywhere near the mass, um, but he had the same cork. He came in and yeah. he had, it actually was rubbing against his lower jaw oh, before it laid out, no you sure. know. And that was a 39-inch sheep is all. And there was one, and he was broke off hard on the other side. I mean, he was never going to be anything. But it was genetically, you just that was the guarantee that, yep, this is the right spot. There he is. You know, there's that genetics. There's definitely different approaches. I know somebody that it's like, this is where I sheep hunt. Don't want to see you there. And if you know, I don't want to see you there. But if you happen to stumble on it yourself, it's a totally different story. So he's just like, this is where I'm going to be at. This like, to like instantly just tell you so that like, if I do see you there, hear that you've been there, it's we're going to have a problem. Well, <clears throat> so would you ever be okay to hunt Harper? Now? Would I want to hunt Harper? I mean, no. <laughs> everybody knows that that's a genetic spot. And because you got the knowledge from a previous hunter, are you ever going to hunt Harper? I'm never going to put that in for that tag. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm you all, are. I'm absolutely. You know, if you're going to hunt uh, big-time, high-scoring book rams, would you ever have hunted Logan Ridge back in the 60s? Well, heck yes, because every freaking top trophy sheep came off of that ridge for a few years right and the word got out and people began the the fever yeah it's forever people can't help themselves oh it's really bad now with social media you post one picture and it's like so somewhere's this line somewhere (laughs) there's this line between somebody told me that he hunts there or i went hunting with him right and to me those are both eh, Complete taboos. I mean, if you want me not to hunt your spot, come and tell me where it is. Because mm-hmm. then I'm going to go. Oh, Let's I'm, get out the map. Exactly. Now I'm <laughs> now I'm morally bound, right? <laughs> you know, start somewhere over here. <laughs> we might end up somewhere over here. But if they happen to harvest, the, there was a kid that shot a 46 squared ram off the slope. Oh, remember? And he tried to I, he tried to patent the pictures or something. Anyway, he rose this big stink about how. He had some magic right, you know, and he was flown in by an air taxi. Everybody in the world knew right where he shot it, but he didn't think so. Yeah. You know, and he made this big thing about nobody can publish these pictures, yada, 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 when, yada. When was this? Uh, this was a while ago. Maybe 2015. Is probably, this that? Eight years ago. Is that big, Graham, that he was like his hunting partner, like, didn't want to go all of a sudden like backed out at the last minute yep. and random i know what you're talking yep. yeah yeah right and the guy was kind of a being a jerk you know a, a, a little bit about thinking that somehow he had some god-given right to that area from, from then on well, driving his stakes in yeah god <laughs> god-given right to that area from then on yeah um especially an area that air taxis are dropping people off five groups of people a year well on the same strip so you look at that sheep right yeah so that's that corkscrew sheep mm-hmm. it did not come out of that area no it's, but that's it's, three years but that one's like three years ago yeah yeah three or four years ago something yeah. like that yeah it's three at most yeah because i i missed that sheep when i was scouting you had your bow. <laughs> no, no. That summer, I'd flown that country hard because I know it very well, and I missed that sheep. I never saw him, and I'd never seen him. So there you go. There's a corkscrew ram that'd been a corkscrew for a number of years. Yep. Yeah. And never seen. Never, never was seen. 
you know, and it's like, oh, and I was, when he shot that sheep, I went, oh, you know, until I found out what it scored. And I thought, oh, well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh no, still would have shot that sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. I mean, that's beautiful. Oh yeah. Well, that ram was 46 squared, you know, but only scored in the low 160s. Mm-hmm. You know, just didn't have any. I would, ta- I would take it, I guess. Scores are for fucking baseball games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. When you're living in my world, they are. <laughs> so to change your world, you got to quit shooting young, small stuff. Yeah, to you get just got to quit. Yeah. You got to be willing well, to walk away from the end of the year without he, a sheep in your bag. Jer- Dad says that, but he, he walked around for 20 years with a bow in sheep country and got within... 200 yards of a ram and go, ah, screw this bow, <laughs> drop the bow and shot him with a rifle. Well, that's playing with these toys. Now, now, right? It wasn't until, it wasn't until, I don't know what age I was, 15 or 16, and I go, Dad, if you really want to shoot a shoot a ram with a bow, we got to leave the rifles at the tent. He goes, he goes, he goes what? You mean, leave the gun at the tent? So the year that he killed, he killed a 40-inch sheep with his bow, the year that we, we did that, we left the rifle at the tent. We did not have a firearm with us on the mountain. And we sat on one, you know, group of three or four rams for 10 hours and couldn't do nothing about it. Within rifle range, could have shot any one of those sheep with a rifle in 10 hours. I know my dad, if we would have had a rifle up there, he'd been, ah, no, let's just dump one now. It's, I'm cold. It's six <laughs> hours in. We're going to shoot one. No, we sat on this group of group of sheep for 10 hours and got into position I feel like where we're, we let an arrow fly. I feel like we're kindred spirits that way. <laughs> right? No, so exact. So that's the point. Like, he's making, okay, you've got to have your patience and everything, but sometimes, no, everybody loses their patience at some point as far as shooting the first animal that you, you see come along or having the patience to wait on a group of sheep to get into bow range to where you can do something like that you've been trying to do for 30 years. I take credit for that. For that, <laughs> there's some spoken like my true son. <laughs> We're about some, to witness a battle of the titans. <laughs> there's some, uh, there's some old home video. I think if we were recording ourselves, it's really incriminating. But it was Thomas. These these sheep are within fifty yards now. Thomas, you wanna you wanna film or you wanna shoot with your bow? Because I have my bow too, right? We're no no firearms at all. I'm like, well, I want I want to shoot with my bow. And so first arrow flies off. He center punches this ram, and then these rams kind of they kind of take off, clattering through the tree. And and I had no business shooting at sheep at at fifteen or something with my bow. But I I launched a couple arrows at you know hopes and dreams. But we kind of halfway got this sheep on video, and that was a. That was the first and one and only sheep that my dad's taken with a bow. Besides the one, my my second ram that I killed that you faked faked killing it with a bow. To faked tease killing me. it with a bow? You don't remember that one? <sighs> so my pretty 42-inch ram, the one you launched five arrows at, uh-huh. that one. So five arrows, all the shooting's done. Mike Webb's got me on the ridge above you. Where you we've been watching you sneak down to this ram. This is going through the middle of the day, so we're going from an updraft on this ridge to a downdraft on this ridge. And by the time you got within eighty yards, the wind started going back downhill and went right to this ram. This ram nostrils open. He starts looking uphill, and we're sitting on the top of the ridge, at like I don't know, like three hundred fifty yards, and see this ram start to get up and go, uh oh. And that's when the arrows start flying. <laughs> <laughs> 
My <laughs> first shot was at 60. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, either way. Double stacked on the string. Either way, the wind. Maybe if I send two. <laughs> the, the wind direction had started to change because it would it, the stock had taken quite a while on this. And this ram clattered to one spot, got another arrow thrown at him, clattered to another spot, got another arrow, clattered him. And, and Mike's in my ear. He goes, this is 14-year-old Thomas, by the way. He goes, Thomas, that's the last opportunity you're going to get. You better let him have it because we didn't see any arrows sticking out of this sheep at this point. We'd been seeing the arrows flying. So anyway, boom, whop, this ram jump, jumps off of this cliff, and I didn't know what happened. I was like, oh, I felt like a good shot. And we start hiking our way down the ridge. And we run into my dad, who's a couple hundred yards down the hill, and he goes, "I'm like, did Dad, did we, did I get him? Did I get him?" He goes, "Oh yeah, you smoked him, but not after, you know, not just before. right after, right after I stuck an arrow in him. I'm like, oh no, I'm like all disappointed because we're going, you know, we're thinking we're shooting at a Boone and Crockett sheep with a bow, you know, and he." Picks up one of his broken arrows, goes down to my dead sheep. I just double lunged with a two seventy, shoves the broken arrow in the bullet hole, comes back up the ridge, goes, you know, you smoked him, but not not after oh, I smoked my him. My God. So I I come up to this ram, my second ram ever, the most beautiful sheep I've ever seen, and with my own eyes, and there's a there's an arrow sticking out of the bullet hole, and I go, oh God, I'm feeling bad. I'm like, but Dad, where's this other bullet hole you're talking about? He's oh no, I'm kidding. That's your bullet hole. I stuck my arrow in. <laughs> you gotta teach him young. Oh, that's funny. That's awesome. But yeah, that 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 ram and that that bow ram that you killed. Two of my more memorable hunts. One because of the both arrows kind of thing. But yeah, it's it's a it's about having the patience like you say and and having you know putting that opportunity to away where you might have an opportunity to take a take a ram with a rifle or take a smaller ram sometimes you gotta say no i'm going for the next opportunity or you're gonna shoot the first op- the first moose that comes across the end of the runway like we do a lot of times but if you're gonna shoot That's a, a bigger hunt. one <laughs> if you're gonna shoot yeah. a bigger one you gotta you gotta uh Turn down those opportunities sometimes. That's or, where or I'm leave at most the rifle. of the time. Is it's it's so it's a little more important to get the meat than it is to kill a big one. Here's yeah. this year's moose hunt, <laughs> right? So I passed up my first moose ever this he year. He did. Oh. I was like, no, can't do it. Well, it depends Pass on where they're first at. One. Yeah, I do have meat. <laughs> anyway, we're we're in out at our moose camp, which I've had the moose camp in this spot for 25 years now. And there's plenty of moose. Uh, there's normally plenty of moose around, but the moose population is on its butt too. In 20A in particular, they've cut it to about a third of what it was once. Anyway, we're in there. Um, this was about September 18th or so, something like that. And we go in there and we spend uh, two days in there, day and a half in there, and there's just no moose around. There's just no bulls around. And we said. Up, screw this let's go up north and go caribou hunt so we fly back to town restage go up go caribou hunt and we spend two and a half days caribou hunt and we got in the thick of the porcupine migration and just had a great time right and Which, that's the empty quiver that's story. where he, he yeah. shoot he, i don't know if you saw he shot shot his bull sitting in the tent like shot it out of the oh, tent oh i did watch with that the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that was by the, that is from inside of ve25 that was not from the tent that was from in the in, interior, <laughs> like it's hard to draw a bow inside there. Yeah, there's not a lot of room. Trust me. But I had missed a few shots, which he was ribbing me about. I was not shooting well that day. He didn't include all of them. I don't think. I, no, I he didn't. Because I had a missed shot in there too as well. Anyway, so we we get 
we we've got two dead mature bull caribou on the ground and uh there's still some really nice bulls coming through you know and and thomas is we're debating okay do we shoot another i said well if we shoot a third one then i've got to ferry a load and drop it off in order to be able to take us out of here i said right now with two we might be able to cram it all in and go out in one load and anyway then this boone and crockett head shows up well, we're a ways away from the tent where the gun is, and the Boone and Crockett animal's walking across the gravel bar, and it's like, oh, Thomas. Thomas goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to shoot that. <laughs> and he runs back to the tent and gets the gun and runs back over and gets in position, and by then this bull had mixed in with his herd, and he was just oh. on the wrong side, never never presented a uh, clean shot, you know. Yeah. And so he walked off, you know, but he was a toad of a bull. Well, and that was meant to be, too, because it was packed up and then went back to town and got reorganized again and headed back, right back out to Moose Camp. Yeah. So then three days later, we're back out at Moose Camp. The 23rd, <laughs> yeah. we're back out at Moose Camp. And we're this is an area that we're very familiar with. We know where the moose like to hang out. We know where they like to travel. And we get over there. And, and here's this pretty good bull. I'm calling him 60. Thomas may debate with that. Walking across this, <laughs> walking across this open clearing, right? He's huge. And, <laughs> and I said, I'm going to shoot him. Thomas says, no, Dad, that's too far from camp. And well, I said, I Thomas, everything Thomas, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I said, I that bull is standing exactly where you shot your bull last year. Does it matter who's packing it? <laughs> anyway, he wouldn't let me shoot it, and off it went into the brush and cleared this brush line, off it went. And it was a pretty darn good bull. And then another smaller bull joined up with him, and we looked at both of those bulls, and they took off, and they traipsed across the country. And then the next morning, we get up, and there's we hear some moose. We do our circle, and we listen and try to call. And anyway, can't close the deal on a moose. We get back to camp about 11 in the morning, maybe. And I said, well, we need to cut this trail system back open. It's grown in so bad, the moose aren't using it. And so we get out the brush cutter and a chainsaw, and we start hacking our way in, right? And Thomas goes, you're going to scare every moose out of the country. We're not going to see any moose. Oh, you're calling them, right? Period. That chainsaw. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so we do. We cut, I don't know, probably two-thirds of this trail open before I ran out of gas in the brush cutter, and I didn't have any more mixed gas with me. I said, oh, well, I guess we're done. And we get back to camp, and that evening, right, so that was probably two in the afternoon, About that evening, about five o'clock, normal bewitching hour right as moose start to move again we start calling and i get an answer from a bull coming down that trail system and so we get over and get in position and literally that bull was walking right down our new fresh cut trail (laughs) (laughs) right to us i mean coming the trail starts at the end of the runway and takes off to the east you know and he's coming right down it just fat dumb and happy and we get in position and you've seen that video too on the Mm -hmm. on the loop right we get in position and the bull gets into about 60 yards and he hangs up and he hangs up in some stuff that's kind of brushy. And I thought, well, let's give him a grunt and a little rattle and see what happens. Well, he didn't like that at all. As soon as the grunt went off, the bull turns and starts going the other way. And I reach back and grab the gun from Thomas and shoot this bull, you know, I mean, two shots, both in the neck, 270, boom, moose is dead. And, uh, we're sitting there, 
Thomas says, okay, how wide is he? I, oh, I said he's more than he's more than fifty for sure. Oh, I don't know, Dad. He looked kind of narrow, no. <laughs> but he had four he had four brow ties on yeah. one side. We knew we okay. had it on brow ties. Ah, he looked kind of narrow. <laughs> I said, oh no, he's more than fifty, and he that bull taped out at fifty three. And I said, so now, what do you think that moose was yesterday? <laughs> Much superior bull to that one. <laughs> Yeah, but you wouldn't let me shoot. From the, yeah, a lot, lot farther from the yeah, runway, from the bull, bull yeah. died 150 yards from the meat pole. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> mm. It was nice. Do you have problems? So you've been hunting this area for a long time. Do you have problems with other people flying around or like seeing your strip and having to be like, "Hey, look, I've been the homestead of this place for I did this. Get the fuck out of here." Just just one time that I know of. Well, so a few times over the years. Um, some of the problems that I've had, the more significant problems that I've had have been with the air taxi guys wanting to use it. Oh, really? Yeah, right. Not and so private they guys. Typically, Not they private typically guys. call and oh, ask, though. The, the, uh, the, the air taxi guys typically call and ask. The one time I remember was some some guys from... Wasilla. Yeah, yep. coming up. No, not Wasilla. It was a guy from Kenai. Kenai came up. Picked a spot, landed on it, wrecked his airplane, and ended up being there for a Wrecked his airplane weekend. on my strip, moved into my tent. Oh, man. Burning his propane. Burned my propane, drank all my water, <laughs> then poached a sublegal moose off the end of it and half salvaged it and left it on the end of the strip. Holy shit. So luckily, we got that all straightened out with a good stern conversation and a self-reporting on their part. Well, but Do you go in there and put a tent up? Like, Oh, I have not just starts? a tent. I have a tent platform and a big... Quonset hut, so it and, is easily seen. Oh, but you, yeah. but you go in there and put that stuff up, whether oh, yeah. you're there or not. Like, just put no, that up I, at the beginning of the season. I put it up or? at the beginning of the season, and we hunt it most weekends during moose season. Okay, I mean, we're right there, on. and often a couple weeks at a time during there. You know, yeah. it's in a crane migration route. Oh, that's the and worst. So, I love. Well, we, I love we, it because I love to shoot cranes too. It's like, yeah, right. But, Shut up! But you love to hear moose calling birds. too, and those fucking birds come in squawking that, that away shotgun, right at the perfect time. That shotgun sound doesn't scare moose off. Trust me. No, well, <laughs> we're neither does cutting about, the chainsaw. Freaking! I'm talking either. about when you're calling and trying to hear bulls. And all you hear, hear is It's like. Son of a bitch. Perfect. As soon as I started hearing that bull, here come the cranes. <clears throat> yeah, you got to know your moose. <laughs> We've got lots and lots and lots of video of cranes flying over while we're shooting moose, you know, and yeah. just it's just a, a neat spot. And I've had that spot, like I said, I've been in this one for about 25 years. I was in one right on the bombing range there for about 10 years when it was really good before it grew up and got too thick to hunt. How many strips have you put in over the years? Your oh, own, like your own strips. Uh, I bet some of them are a pain in the ass to put in too. Well, yes, yeah, some of them are. Well, sheep in the hunting strips are just like in the in the brush where they're overgrown in three years. It's a you're, lot of, right, so you're a lot of, lot of wood chopping. <laughs> well, and so that's what you end up having to decide is how many can I maintain and how many can I keep people right. from, from inundating my but world. But you've been doing it for long enough that well, you must have put, even ones that are come and gone, so you must have done a lot, put a lot Currently, of I have in. one moose hunting strip is all, and that's the one that we've got our big camp in, and we defend that one pretty hard. Yeah. And then the I had two down on the burn. Um, by the bombing range, and I let both of those overgrow, 
A, it was within 2211, which restricted when you could get in and out of there. Mm. And B, it grew up so thick you couldn't hunt it. I mean, it just really got too tall and too thick. And then I had two others out there in the flats that I only used one year and then gave up on them because, again, the amount of... And then the one over at the lake, I maintained that one for numerous years as a bear bait and stand. We shot... I think we only shot two moose off of that strip ever. But I used it primarily for bear baiting. So there was those. So I probably had seven or eight in the flats. And then I've still got... One, two, three, four. I've got four strips on my one sweetheart sheep hunting spot that produced all the Boone and Crockett sheep. And on each, basically each perimeter of it, or depending on where the sheep were living, you could camp there or there or there or there, right? Yeah. But that country is is just ruined. There's just no sheep in there worth shooting anymore. And then uh, where Thomas and I have been hunting since he was, I took him in there the first time when you were 12, 13? I think 13. 13? Oh, no, 12. He, he missed his first 40-inch ram at 12. Age 12. Then it was a double rumor. And then he passed up a 39-inch sheep that I had at 75 yards that he says, nope, I'm only wanting that 40-inch ram. <laughs> <laughs> So he wouldn't shoot that other sheep that was just dead to rights. I mean, this other sheep would have been dead in no time. And it was not a thirty in, 39-inch ram. I got like pictures of him, and no. we'll let everybody no. judge that. No. I got pictures of him on the hoof. No. Oh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. About like he's outgrowing his Mickey Mouse. Yeah. His yeah, Mickey yeah. Mouse he, coat for, well, his Mickey, Mouse, his Mickey Mouse coat was on the butte strip when we first had that cut in there when he was four. So that was 24 years ago. Yeah, and we got... There's live video footage of me on my fourth birthday. Like, Thomas, how old are you? Hold up three fingers. No, no, no. How old are you? Oh, oh, oh four, four. Couldn't even say four. Shooting my first black bear out of a bear stand with my Mickey Mouse coat on. Yeah, there's video proof of that. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> my wife has still never forgiven me. <laughs> what are you going to do? But yeah, that... that 40-inch miss was when I was 12. I killed that 30-inch super curled double broomer at 13 and then shot that 42 at, at 14. Just totally ruined for the first three years of sheep hunting as a little kid, not knowing any better. That checks out. Completely. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. Well, so knowing that that success is real and possible changes your mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, I people give me a hard time. Oh, you guys, you're, you're poaching with those airplanes. I said, I have never, ever shot a sheep same day airborne and and, and never will. There's no reason to. Yeah. Absolutely no well, reason to. Well, it's not real possible either. Where you can land and where the sheep live. Is yeah. Not, it, I mean, every, right. Sheep, sheep hunting out of an airplane is absolutely the way to go, the huge advantage. But it's still not easy granted we're not going 35 miles in one way like dad used to do when he was 16 okay <laughs> the, we're, we're not doing that kind of extreme but it's still a lot of freaking well work. we are your 40 not. your 42 inch ram was, was 15 <laughs> was 15 miles one way yeah that was, 15, that was right. 15 miles and that was landing in a spot that had never been landed in before that was absolutely shitty and not should not have been landed in really <laughs> i mean just all kinds of risk and and years and years, well, 25, 30 years of 
bush pilot experience to land in that spot for one and then to hike 15 miles in to where that sheep lived. I only landed there twice. No. Well, no. <laughs> Once. And, and to take back off. Well, <laughs> to get you out, and then I had to come back and get a second load. Yeah. I did land in there a second time. But I know people think it's cheating, but it's not. Che- it's a different type of Well, what a lot hunting. of that boils down to is just jealousy, you know, or people don't. Oh, he's got an airplane. Oh, well, oh, it's easy well, for that. So it's the airplane. misconception, <laughs> yeah. right? Oh, fuck yeah, it and is. <laughs> to me, the big difference is... You know, when I'm watching sheep and for years and years and years, and I know that ram, you know, I literally got his name, <laughs> you know, oh, and his yeah. number, and I know that they're there and that they exist, I hunt with confidence. I hunt that I know that there's a sheep there, yeah. right? And I know where he lives. And so you hunt differently oh, than, yeah. than if you're staggering around the flats looking for a moose and you're listening and calling you know first legal moose that shows up you go bang i I know where the moose come from in my area and i know where they live and when i hear this one i say oh he's there oh that one's in the grass finger oh that one's up in the meadow you know and it's like i know where to go and you hunt completely differently now it's like which way's the wind blowing and which one of these bulls am i going to chase today you know and I sheep, mean, if sheep hunting's the same way, where sheep hunting, if you know, if you know, you got good old mature rams on the top of the mountain, and you're walking past legal sheep, you're going, well, you know, that's not that the one we got, want. That one's got good genetics, and he's young. It's good to know that he's here. And we're going <sighs> right past him to the next one. Well, and people don't give sheep's nose anywhere near enough credit. Holy sheep can shit. sheep can wind people at a couple miles. Dude, they yeah. can wind you at a couple miles, and they can spot you at a couple miles. Yeah. You can poke your head over a rock, and if a sheep has seen a person chase them and his buddy died a year before, he sees you at two miles, it's like, eh, out of here. <laughs> it is hilarious, the different, you know, you can tell sheep that get hunted and the sheep that don't, mm-hmm. right? Because I've got stupidly close to a lot of sheep. Which is why I started carrying a bow, right? It was like, okay, I really want to kill a 40-inch ram with a bow. And to date, I've only outright killed one ram with a bow. And, I and it happened to be 40 inches. <laughs> 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 yeah. you know, was the only reason, I like to say it's the only reason, because I made you leave your rifle at the at the tent. And we happened to be skinning that sheep and had a sow and two cubs walk right up to us. At like a hundred yards, huffing and puffing, like oh shit! And guess what? All of a sudden, we're this the only time we're in sheep country without a firearm. <laughs> oh, oh god! Draw your bow. Thank yeah. God you got it with the first shot, Dad. <laughs> that sheep. You have some arrows left. <laughs> no more than hit the ground, and that sow and two cubs showed up, and they oh, nose to the wind. They were smelling blood. Boy, yep. they were coming. Hmm. It was it's lucky like, it was a sow oh. with two cubs, and she was not pissed off. She walked up on us, and we didn't walk up on her because yeah. it would have been a. A boar, you know, a gri- you know, bear with some anger or something. It would have not been good. We'd have probably lost that ram to a to a bear. Well, it had three arrows in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna let him have it. I'm let him get on the sheep. I'm gonna hold I'm my gonna ground as long as I can here. But no, no firearm at all. We had a 357 at the tent. So for some reason, that didn't make it in a backpack. Rifles at the tent just left there it's like no dad if we're gonna if you're gonna actually kill one with a bow (laughs) we need to leave the shit at the freaking tent so the next morning right we we shot that ram up in this saddle and we got it butchered and hiked down to the bottom where this drainage start and found a place to pitch our little spike tent you know and we're sitting down there and thomas is wore out sleeping the next day and i said thomas we got to pack this sheep 
No, Dad. How about you pack one load first? <laughs> How about you pack one load first? And so I pack a load, and and back to where we were landing was I don't know. I round tripped it in probably three hours or something, you know. And and then I uh, get back there, and he's like, "Yeah, oh, okay." <laughs> and I pack the other half of the sheep while he packed the tent and stuff back. But yeah, spoiled kids, yeah. spoiled kids that. Helped you shoot your first forty or first bow, first bow kill sheep. You're welcome. Wow, I didn't notice that you pulled the bow back for me. <laughs> I pulled the rifle out of your pack when you oh, started leaving funny. base camp. Is what oh, I did. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh shit. So I've killed several sheep at range. Um, I've got pictures of a Boone and Crockett sheep that I stuck an arrow in and then had to pull out a gun. And it was just a terrible first shot. But and then Thomas has got pictures of he stuck a full curl ram right in the horn, and it was one of these kind of sheep. I mean, it was just a podunk sheep, but it was with a bow, and at fifteen yards. No, it freaking wasn't. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, right. I think I have some video of that. There's plenty of video. That was a forty. Feel like I'm that was a forty-yard shot, and it was an extreme uphill, uphill angle. And the and the sheep had made it past us. They walked past us at fifteen yards because they walked right into us, walking back to the tent. And we had dropped everything. Oh my God! Get an arrow knocked up. By the time I got to full draw and got a range, it was forty yards, but it was a steep uphill and just a quick opportunity where you're shooting at an extreme angle without like the range finders we have today have angle compensating. And so I shot my 40-yard Hearing a lot of excuses. But no, no. I well, you I noticed, gotta, you noticed that pattern, right? It's my job to play both sides, right? I guess. <laughs> my tr- my story is the true story. His story is bullshit. Let's so. bring out the kid. <laughs> <laughs> the, the DNA. Yes. <laughs> no, 40-yard shot, 40-yard pin, and steep uphill angle shot, right? I mean, shot right over the top and smacked the opposite horn like right over the top of quartering away it would have been a perfect shot had i shot a 30 yard pin instead of a 40 yard (laughs) right right in the horn anyway you know who else has shot a horn dr frank schultz (laughs) well this is with With a a bow this is with a bow (laughs) so this ram clatters along another 80 yards i'm all up flustered i'm got another arrow knocked up i go full draw and i'm like sail i mean i'm sending another arrow 80 yards screw it as soon as i get like this my dream pin, which is an existence of 80 yards, boom, wah! <laughs> she hits the ground. My dad dusted him right behind me. I'm like, oh, don't even give me another shot at my first bow opportunity with a sheep. You hit that thing. I didn't know how bad he was hit. Oh, I knew whatever. I didn't want him to get him out of range. Heard, yeah, everybody's seen that antler. Did that. he make you keep the broad, leave the broadhead in oh, the horn? Got a, it was stuck in there. With, I got a picture with the arrow in the, it, and the broadhead. It broke the tip off of a muzzy in there, you know, and it broke yeah. the stem off, and that's what stuck in that arrow. He yeah. still got the horn. Yeah, he still got it. <laughs> Oh, 143 came bolt passes right through. <laughs> well, but so, the the devastation when all those pieces of bullet and horn go into their neck, <laughs> they just go. <laughs> it kills Dead. them. Oh no! So the very first super ram that I ever shot was a 45 and 7 eighths inch ram on the long side, and he was 40 and a quarter on the other, and I um, knocked that ram down. And this was just like 30 minutes before dark. I mean, it's really getting late. I mean, the shooting light's getting thin, right? I knock him down. 
and we get up to the ridge right above him and the damn thing gets up and starts running downhill and whoosh, another rifle round boom and i just saw the horn just splatter on one side. Oh. <laughs> i thought oh that was stupid <laughs> a he's running downhill and b <laughs> anyway and then the next one i put him down for good and i go over there and sure enough I've shot him through one horn. You weren't hallucinating. And, <laughs> and guess which horn it was. The long one. <laughs> the oh, longer yep. one. But Skip patched it up. It's fine. <laughs> I but, left mine. I was like, ah, it's perfect. It's super cool. It didn't fuck it up. It was just like perfect hole on one side, and it blew the inside of the horn out. Must have been up in the first third or something. Of the it horn, was huh? like right in the bottom, and he was faced, laying down perfect, and it just... Yeah. I mean, the bullet disintegrated when it went through, but it put a hole in the outside of his neck, like the size of a softball, like right into his spine. And he literally, from laying down, just chewing his cud, just went, yeah. he put his face down on the ground. And I was like, that was easy. Right on. I was like, shoot everyone in the hole. I wonder what that noise was that I heard. <laughs> well, 300 yards later, in about 40 minutes of getting to it, I was like, oh. Well, well, that, we, that's oops. what I heard. <laughs> when we consult the replay, you were uncomfortably close to horn on this year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, uncomfortably, uncomfortably close. close. Yeah. 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 That sheep I, I killed this year, I, I, remember wait, I remember waiting like, okay, this ram is quartering towards us and looking uphill. And it's like, well, that takes away like two-thirds of your vital shot you're like okay it's not a ethical shot let's not blow right. a hole in his horn and so just waited a couple more seconds and he turned around face forward again it's like okay there's a good it, when you have the luxury of having the sheep and them not having you mm. you know and now it becomes well i told you this year i took a 480 yard shot at that sheep i had no business shooting at that range i didn't have my ballistic chart with me yeah. i didn't know how many in- i knew i was going to be about 36 inches low um for point of aim, you know, for contact point. And I thought, I, I look back at that and I think, okay, you just let greed get in your way of doing what was right. And when I pulled the one shot and it went way high, I thought, huh, you have no business shooting any more rounds at this thing. But, uh, you know, even that first shot was just ill-advised. Had I had good ballistic information, I can shoot. I've, I've killed sheep at 600 yards. Yeah. But Good on you for though for saying that and just like calling yourself out and being like, shouldn't have done it to start with. Yep, shouldn't have done that to start with. Yeah. You know, and it almost cost me that ram. I mean, that was he freaking disappeared again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The uh, the one ram that was over forty inches that I had the op like was lined up on ready to shoot. It was that one that we saw him three years and three years I think in a row. And none of us ever got a shot at the last time we saw him. We figured he was 42 and change and, uh, just never like I, I, the, the, one of the Rams that's in the house that was, hey, he's just an average nine year old Ram. I took off cause we saw him, another, a small Ram in this big one way up a Canyon. And the two guys I was with were already, I was kind of just tagging along going after so you were out of shape and they were ahead of you no no but they (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to interpret between the lines yeah i'm I'm not i'm not painting like the most specific picture so (laughs) we were going after 
they had picked out two rams out of this bunch up here, and then we're we're starting to climb, and then we see I see three rams up way up the canyon, up one of these side canyons, and holy shit, that's him. And uh, so I take off up the bottom, just had to go up the bottom in the snow, and long story short, I mean like 20 minutes of light left, pop over the ridge, and they had been feeding across this face and into like you know another side slash, and I popped up across the slash from them, and there was only two of them there. And I'm like, well, that's a good, you know, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, I shot the I shot the one. Shot, took the opportunity. I took the opportunity, yep. and I didn't shoot, you know. But the year before, I was at 400 yards from that ram, and he, he was one that was kind of deceiving. Like, he looked like a normal ram, but you really start, like, proportion and judging him, like, that's a big sheep. And, uh, you know, one of my guys that hunt with had, uh, had killed his, you know, brother, the ram he was running with in 2010. So that was the, like three years before. And he was like kind of just a normal looking ram, but was right at 40 Mm -hmm. and was eight years old. And so this is two years down the road. I'm laying there at 400 yards and he's laying down there bedding. And I, after looking at him, like, yeah, that's, that's him laying down and just a dumb, dumbass move rather than just being patient. I said, I told my buddy, Steve, I was like, Steve, his, his horns are in the way, get him to stand up. And so he, and that thing jumped up and took yeah. off and never stopped. Oh, no. <laughs> Wasn't an old sheep. <laughs> Not by the way he covered that mountain. <laughs> well, I don't know if he ran, but he, he never stopped. And I was like, he's too far to just start winging stuff, you know, but he yeah, just never not. gave me a shot. I've never tried to get a ram up ever. No desire to. Tyler will never do it again either. (laughs) (laughs) I've just have always had more patience than that. Now, I've gotten rams up in it, right? Bow bow hunting in particular, trying to creep up on and you get busted. (laughs) But I've never intentionally yelled at a sheep to try to get it up. You know, it's like, just sit back, be patient, let him stand up on his own. A, I don't want him to know where the bullet comes from. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, that all checks out. (laughs) Yeah. It didn't work out very well for that, me. That bow ram was, I think we can sneak down there and get a shot of him. I'm like, no, we need to stop and stay. We sat, we sat there on that sheep for 12 hours. I think Dad, I don't know, brought it up like 10 or 12 times. Like, oh, we should make a sneak on that ram. <laughs> let me, don't, let him t- don't let him convince like, you that he's let super Let me sneak patient. back to the tent. Well, yeah, my 270. <laughs> yeah. I'll be right back. We were sitting in the spot. We were sitting in the spot oh, we that we getting, really we thought frozen out of that, that we really spot. thought that ram, that band of rams was going to come right up through that saddle that night, right? They would Their normal bedding spot was on our side of the ridge. But, yeah, we it was blowing and raining, and we were freaking cold. We'd stop, back off, get out of sight, and then hike up and down the hill, up and down yep. the hill, right, trying to get enough blood flowing to keep going. Anyway, when I got ready to shoot that ram, I'm sitting behind a rock that's probably the size, the size of the couch, couch. <clears throat> and, uh, and I'm peeking, right? And this band of rams is, I don't know, 40 yards on the other side of that rock, moving up through there, and I got busted, right? And this other ram saw me peek, and he turned straight at me, and looking intently looking right yeah. so i draw my bow and i swing over and the ram i want the, the 40 inch ram is standing broadside below him and literally i gotta shoot between the legs of the one standing there staring at me like this oh, 
to hit the other one. And I did. I slid, slid the arrow right through there, but not a shot that you want to take. The other ram's staring at me yeah. straight on, right? And I hit him right at the base of the chest. It heart shot him. Yeah. But. Mm-hmm. Oh, I spent nine or ten days all together chasing that ram around with my bow. And, yeah, finally we had to go home and. I had to call for backup with a rifle. I didn't even bring a <laughs> rifle with me. Yeah, That's how you have to do it, though. I've almost always carried a rifle in the pack and a bow in my hand. <sighs> it never worked. You know, and, <laughs> and, and, and everybody, every bow hunter I know that hunts sheep says that's just a bad, I just, yeah, it's I just know a bad philosophy because you're going to pull out the gun every time. At least I knew Frank wouldn't, let, I didn't, wouldn't I, let me. I didn't. I was like, <laughs> you can't. When I first walked up, we had got in touch with me two days before. And when I got there, you told me where to come to, and I walked up, and you're like, hello, old friend. And I was like, hey, man, what's going on? And you're like, I'm not talking to you. He's staring at the rifle. In my back. <laughs> I was like, yeah, fuck off. Hopefully the tent's set up. You got any food? <laughs> but I didn't let him have – I carried the rifle the whole time. And we fuck, we followed those couple rams around for – well, it's like six six rams, Yeah, yeah for days and he kept looking at the rifle and i was like no nah, no nah. we'll get closer <laughs> yeah. that's a this good will partner. this that's will work partner. this is gonna happen we can make this happen you gotta put but the firearms just away just like we ran out of time the bump thing was they left they left the after day after day they left the basin that they'd been hitting this lick every day and i got to 60 yards from him and i that summer i was shooting my recurve all the time like 50 yards i was shooting Really, with a yeah, recurve, yeah, that's getting out there. And uh, and I, I take took it very was taking it very seriously. But I got to sixty yards, and there was and I they saw me and they ran off a little, but they didn't blow out. I expected I was like, well, we're done. And they, but they didn't blow out. And I kind of got out of sight and got back above them. And I, my thought was, well either just stay here and but no way they'll come back to no way they're coming back here today they're you know 250 yards away you know kind of look at they'd watch me for a while and then laid down and i had a white hoodie on and i just act like a i'm like well no one out here no one's out here to watch me i'll just act like a sheep you know kind of just on all fours just acting dis somewhat disinterested mm-hmm. managed to get out of sight got around on top of them got to 100 yards and they got up and walked right back over there and then I'm like, all right, I'm getting a shot tomorrow. I know what they, you know. I know their pattern. I got them patterned now. And then uh, that night my tent blew up, and I had to walk out at 2 o'clock in the morning. It took, you know, it was like five or six days later before I finally got everything dried out and the weather cleared up. You don't up need a I... stinking tent. <laughs> yeah. When it's blowing when it's fucking blowing 70, 70 and raining, you do. <laughs> you need was, something. Yeah, that was the, uh, the infamous my tent blew up and my uh, rain gear all failed me on my my march home <laughs> uh, i've spent uh three different night nights on a mountain sheep hunting without a tent with none zero yeah. zilch yeah you know and one of those in a driving snowstorm Whew. but we found a couple of boulders to sneak in between and uh and we had life-size sheep sheepskins we were sleeping under we had no sleeping bags yeah. no nothing right <laughs> But we skinned the sheep. We shot those sheep really late in the day. We knew there was no way to get back to where we came from. So we skinned them life-size so we had something to curl up under. 
Yeah. And that, I mean, we were still frozen and stiff in the morning, but it was better than... We were fighting over who was the inside or the outside of the spoon trying to, get, trying to <laughs> yeah. keep warm. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, this one I was, yeah, by myself and... Yeah, it was probably the worst rainstorm, wind, rain windstorm I've been in sheep hunting. It, yeah, just flattened my tent at about two o'clock in the morning, and luckily I was a spot where I you knew in you know seven eight hours I could be out. Well, that Healy River country was just infamous for massive torrential yeah. windstorms. Yeah, not so much rain. We'd get some rain once in a while, but usually just the wind blowing eighty yeah. up the canyon, you know, and just beat you off the mountain, and it shredded. I lived under a visqueen, literally a sheet of clear visqueen for on my first sheep hunt yeah. for five nights because night two, a windstorm came and wadded up my Eureka timber line into yeah. nice little pieces and shredded. Was fabric. the Eureka timber line? Was that the uh, like the kind of trying? Pyramid oh yeah. Uh-huh. Tent. My dad had one of those when I was a kid. That's like one of the you know one of the earliest well, tents. Holy cow, tents have come a ways. I learned so much that first year sheep hunting. You know, and took it to heart um, and started developing a system. You know, and now I've got this system that I use that is really sound. I mean, and people say, oh, why don't you try this new gadget or that new gadget? Nope. Doesn't fit. <laughs> doesn't fit yeah. in my pack. Well, what do you mean? You carry a huge pack. I said, yeah. And I keep it empty until I shoot a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> full of fucking ribeyes <laughs> <laughs> well you gotta have nourishment <laughs> i've been seeing a lot of comments on like my videos and then when i post a, a link to a video on facebook and stuff a lot of guys are commenting oh look at these guys they, they're eating good i saw one of those today i was like well i mean it, your theory makes sense you can pack 25 pounds of meat you know food up the hill you can sure as hell pack 100 pounds of sheep back off the hill well yeah <laughs> when you get a sheep you know, the, and I won't even say a big ram, but just the average ram is about 80 pounds of meat if you do a decent job. And then you've got 20 pounds of horns and, well, maybe 10 in some cases. <laughs> but, <laughs> Sorry. 20 pounds of horns. Pour it on me. You know, and then if you take a shoulder cape, you know, a shoulder cape's about 8 pounds. A life size mm-hmm. cape is about 20 pounds. And so if you start adding all that together, you got 100 pounds at least to march off the hill with. And so, these guys that are all into this, oh, I only take freeze-dried this, freeze-dried that, super light, da-da-da-da-da-da. There's no calories in any of it. There's no nourishment in any of it. So there's no fat is what it's really missing. And I don't care who you are, fat turns into energy. Mm-hmm. And greasy ribeyes turn into pure quality <laughs> energy. <laughs> Can you, know? you carry 14 days worth of ribeye, though? No, right? So... You can carry 14 days with a food without going freeze-dried, yes. Okay. And I, typically, I yeah. don't, right? So typically, my average sheep hunt's probably seven days long. Exactly. Yep. Difference. Yep. So there's a difference between we're going a lot of times on, like, on 14, walking for 14 days. I used to hunt the very head of Moody Creek. I mean, the very head where it broke over into the Wood River. And I used to come from Kingfisher Creek on the highway. Now, that was 18 and a half straight line map miles if you just measured it yeah, with so a string. twice that. Yeah. So it's pretty close to twice. I always yeah. figured it was 30 miles, yeah, one yeah. way. Yep. And we would hunt that on five-day trips. A day in, a day out, and three days of hunting. <laughs> but we were young, we were strong, mm-hmm. and we were impervious. We could take off and go, you know, but we carried almost nothing. 
I mean, we were we were well, running. So some of like my my uncles talk about there was old. I don't know. Maybe even he was still around. Bill Lighty. Did you ever? Mm-hmm. You knew him. My yep. uncles talked about knowing him, and he t- talked about. He said he'd bring a a piece of visqueen, wool clothes. Said he would carry like a twenty five pound pack. Said if he'd bring a uh, some dried apricots and a jar of peanut butter. Said if you had to shit more than twice in a ten day hunt, you brought you were too, much too much food. food. <laughs> <laughs> well, and subsequently, Just fucking chow and cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Marlboros, two cartons of cigarettes. <laughs> So I have a pretty stringent weight limit on the way in, and it sits at 45 pounds, not including a gun. Yeah. Right? So not including a weapon. And 25 of that's food. Right? So now I have a tent and my spike tent. So I I have the luxury of having a base camp set up under the airplane mm-hmm. wing at some point, right? And it's got extra clothes. It's got lots of food. Yeah. It's got lots of luxury there. And then from there, if we spike out, it's usually for two or three nights. Yeah. Right? In a certain direction, chasing a certain sheep. Sometimes four nights. Sometimes five. (laughs) But, you know, and our spike camp is a five-pound tent, right? A four-pound sleeping bag, our cooking equipment, and food. (laughs) You know, and off we go. And there's not a lot of spare clothes. There's usually, if you layered everything up, you'd have a raincoat, you know, a medium weight jacket a light jacket and your shirt and that was the four layers on top and you just go you know and i when we really start getting light no tent goes along but a tarps with us almost every day all day yeah you know so that if you do get into really nasty stuff at least you can wad up under a tarp and keep mm-hmm. it from driving through you yeah. yeah but really that's that's a key element all these guys Oh, we were 85 pounds going in, and you didn't kill a sheep, did you? Yeah. <laughs> right? Because it's you're burning up so much energy trying to cart your process, and it's slowing you down so much. You know, at 45 pounds, it really doesn't slow your ascent up a hill that much. I mean, you can just go. I'm getting away with just under 60 pounds, but I count the rifle, the binos. Yep. My, even I even care, count. What are you carrying binos I, yeah, for? what do you care? What the hell are you carrying binos for? I even, country? I even <laughs> count a quart of water because okay. I carry that from like, the start. Yeah. Like all the time during the day, mm-hmm. I have that on me. And for 15 days, it's 22 and a half pounds of food. And I bring like sausage and cheese and, for us, and ra- you know, wraps and stuff that's like not just freeze dried bullshit. Because, yep. like you said, it's does it but it's shitty you watch a guy go hard for four days on two mountain houses a day and he's burned Smoked. by the fourth day. no you can't go yeah you can't go so but, like you you go four days on ribeyes and, and mashed potatoes and gravy like <laughs> so you lie. say we don't do freeze-dried but we're using instant potatoes we're yep. using yeah. instant yeah. stuffing right yeah. it's, we're it's using light. mac and cheese we're using stuff you add water to to make much more yep. sustenance out of yeah. it yeah yeah but we did tack, pack freaking ribeyes in the spike camp this year on that first hunt, all the way to the head of the fucking yeah. camp. Usually the, ribeyes, <laughs> usually the ribeyes are under the airplane wing yeah. on the way out, right? Or sometimes a load on the way in and then another one on the way out. But, I yeah. guess my point was, though, that you can't do what we're doing by carrying, not one, by the time you get to day 12 or whatever, you're going to be like, fuck my ribeyes are... Yeah, yeah well, yeah, you can't... Rotten, you, so you that's know. where you got to have cured ham. Yeah. Right, so I carry exactly. curious ham. I carry pre exactly 
what we bring with us is you know salamis and mm-hmm. you know this stuff year I started stable yeah. yeah I yeah. started packing <clears throat> pre cooked uh, barbecued pork ribs but the problem with that is the food weight to the old gross weight is not there oh because right? the rib the so, bones yeah the bones yeah. and stuff are, are heavy enough but you know they're they're a luxury treat um, like I say the number one reason that people don't kill sheep is they quit. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Right. And they quit the because they're hungry. In town <laughs> that I want to go back That's, to. Yes. Yep. Or they're trying to go when the weather's crappy. When you ought to yep. just sit, sit home in the and tent. regroup. Sit in yeah. the sit in the tent, eat food, sleep for sleep for sixteen hours. Like if it's raining on you, it's not worth it's not worth your time. Yeah. You gotta no. spend that time when the weather's crap to to recoup and eat food and get warm. Well, I think that was a good out. thing that like you you know, I was watching the, the video the solo video you shot from your trip this year and that's like a key thing is like knowing when to when to be ready to pounce. And yeah. Patience is a virtue, folks. You but. know, not just running blindly all over the country. You know, there's a time to go and a time to wait. Well you gotta think of critters as a they're they're exactly the same as we are. They don't mm. want to be out in that crappy weather. No. They don't want to walk up the shit ridge. They don't want to go down the crappy swampy trail. They're walking on the good trails, and they're and then they're moving a lot when the weather's good. They're just like they're oh, just yeah. like we are. You just if if you don't want to be going, they don't want to be going either. So yeah. you got to kind of think of that in your process when you're chasing critters, especially sheep hunting in sheep country, when you're dealing with really nasty weather and really really physical hard. Hard hunts. And I've had the luxury also of not having to be back at town at a certain day. Yeah. You know, most of my employers know I'm a hunting addict, right? And it would always be, hey, guys, I'm heading out for a week, you know, and if it ends up being longer, uh, I'll try to let you know. If I'm near my sat phone, I'll give you a call. And they all just understood and was never an issue because I give them 110% when I'm there, Mm -hmm. right? So it's just, well... I really need you back by then. Okay, I'll do my best. And I almost I I can only think of one time that I was out more days than what I thought. We were just pinned in and weather was no way to fly. You know. Yeah. I See, call I, I call my boss on this phone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hello you. <laughs> yeah. I'm hey. not going to be back. Oh, you're fine. You're you're great. <laughs> Keep hunting. <laughs> we'll and see, that's and the luxury. And yeah, I've, exactly. And I finally gotten into a <clears throat> position where like I don't have to take time off mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm. hunting. That's well, I've been my, retired my now for now. three years. Well, I made a big difference on. Of- I, I like to joke. It's almost like I'm retired. Mm-hmm. I still have to work and stuff, but yeah. I get to do the Self- stuff I like to do as part yeah. of my job. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm a, not even self-employed, but self-employment. <laughs> I got for me it pretty like, dang good with that two and two. Yeah, you got that's at big least a two week chunk at a time. Yeah, yeah. if you got your stuff together, or you just make your dad pack everything. You, like you can just get off work and go. Hey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you screwed me this last trip, there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I oh, I was working on the Toyota in the garage right up until I left. Yeah, yeah thanks. <laughs> that's okay. He likes packing stuff for Kodiak. So, so you're uh, you also do a lot of riding, huh? Up yeah, the, the winter the time. crazy riding. The winter time, yeah, I go burn gas in a snow machine. For sure. <laughs> and he thinks that. riding in an airplane is risky. <laughs> well, I've never wrecked in a snow machine where I couldn't get back out of the mountains, but I've certainly wrecked in the backseat of a cup where I couldn't get back out of the mountains. <laughs> yeah. oh, but man. not with you. No. <laughs> that one thing, yeah, that guy. They were dropping us off where we left our snow machines when we walked out. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, we spend a lot of time in the winter riding riding sleds in the mountains. Just spending time outdoors, really. Where do you ride in the mountains? Well, I'm 
I've built wherever it. the snow is, yeah, man. Pretty much. Well, it's fucking <laughs> yeah. snow and mountains everywhere. I've been, oh, I've been uh, yeah. building a cabin in Summit Lake, so I ride Summit a lot, and then I and I bought a house in Valdez that I primarily use for Airbnb income rental and, and going down there to ride snow machines too. I spent a lot of time down in Valdez. Well, it's thirty below here in Fairbanks. It's really nice to drive six hours and it's twenty above in Valdez. It's like, oh, this is pretty nice. Thompson <laughs> Pass just got sixty. Oh, wait a God. minute, what was it? Sixty-two inches. No, seventy-two. Sec- seventy-two. Sorry, thank you. Seventy-two. Yep, and it's the second number two on record yeah. for the most snow since 1963, which yep. was 78 inches in 24 hours. In 24 hours. hours. Oh and my this, god! This 72 <laughs> inches was only in 20 hours. Yep. Yep. That's why we. That's why we spend so much time. I can see. Yeah. I've been down there. You see all that vertical stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's what they ride. Clear yeah. to the top Crazy. of it. You oh, know, yeah. it's insane. You could put a bag of thousand dollar bills up on the hill. I'm not going up there to get so, it. No, for it's instance, the it's the hardest thing when you're hiking up these sheep hunting mountains and it's so steep and You're I'm like oh, man, if I hit my sled if this is the winter time I'd be up in 35 <laughs> seconds yeah. well we're goat hunting on Kodiak last week right and literally standing up you could reach yeah, straight out shit. from your shoulder and that touch the and touch the uphill fucking sketch right oh, that's that snow on good. that coming <laughs> that going up is one thing coming that was, down is a motherfucker that was, I, that was dumb. Yeah, I got to a point <laughs> that I turned around and I looked behind me I looked at how steep that was and I said if you start sliding, you're not stopping. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be a wad of crap at the bottom of this hill. That was dumb. That and Thomas dumb. finally says, okay, Dad, this is – and we were just getting to the spot. I thought we could probably grip into the rocks and work our way the rest of the way. And he's like, Dad, nope, we're nope. done. I said, you're right. This is stupid. Well, and, and, when, out of and there. it's always easier to go up. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going yeah, up, man. and you're going up. You're not thinking about it. And I'm looking back at Dad. He's like, okay, we're doing all right. We go to turn around, and it was not good. It was not good. <laughs> Go to turn around because literally I could stand up and I don't know. It was not a full arm extension to touch the, yeah. the next like hump that I was trying to grab. It was completely vertical, covered in snow, and it was not like deep or nothing. Yeah. It was slushy snow on top of yeah. you know moss, and it was like okay, all right, we need to go back down. And you turn around to look back the way you came. You're like, oh, no, this Shit. is not good. It was yeah. not. That was, like, a little bit scary. Well, that, I mean, that goat, that was the last goat I killed. I haven't killed a lot of goats, but um, killed that thing. It ended up falling to a stop. It it got caught by an alder bush hanging over this uh, cut, and we had to kind of just monkey bar. The alders were thick enough, luckily, to like swing our way on either side and it was a nanny so it wasn't that heavy so we were able to like manhandle it and swing it over but by the time we got done cutting up cutting it up it's like it's getting dark it's like it's all just brush like you just gotta point downhill and go and hope for the best it was uh yeah the one the one goat hunt i had done prior to chasing these goats was uh i don't know i was probably no, I was 21. I was 21 because we could go to the bars, but I was working road construction, and a couple of buddies that I wasn't real like close with uh, invited me. Hey, you want to go to Kodiak? Like on a week's notice, I'm like, well, yeah, sure, we'll go to Kodiak. We flew, or what did we do? We took the, we drove to Homer, took the ferry to Kodiak City, and then flew commercial into Old Harbor because they mm. have flights into Old Harbor, mm-hmm. and we had my buddy's coworker had grown up there so we got to stay in his mom's house and his his old buddies would drive us around or whatever and we we ended up shooting a few deer here and there in the first couple days and and uh we're going into this next deer hunting spot and uh 
spot these goats at the top of the mountain. We had a goat permit for the south end of Kodiak, the same permit they have now. We're like, oh, sweet. We could, I could see a lion there. We could, we could hunt these goats. And we hit the beach and I take off running. All my friends call me a billy goat. Like I can, I can climb mountains way faster than any of my buddies, especially those two buddies in particular. They were smokers and I just outran them. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like 45 minutes ahead of these guys and I can see them like taking breaks and stuff. I'm like, Oh gosh, guys, we got to get to the top. I get all the way to the top and I start to crest this ridge and I got goats at like 20 yards bedded down in the high, like high wind, had the wind on them and everything. I'm like, Oh, poke my head over this little rocket, lowered real down, real slow, kind of backed a few five six yards back down the hill and i'm waving at these guys i finally got their attention they're like oh shoot we got to really hurry they're still 45 minutes behind me like just start they, they're going as hard as they can and i sat on these goats poked my head up every few minutes and looked at these goats for almost an hour before everybody caught up my buddy jacob had his recurve with them so we're like okay. oh is this the uh the You've video seen yeah video. i've seen the video Man, yeah. we're trying to find that original video that needs to go on my youtube channel because that's a just jacob a, barrett's yeah it mm. was Re, old fred bear recurve i finally got the bow guy to the top i regret not this is why i carry bow everywhere now is because of this situation because we got into all these goats within yeah. bow range yeah. <laughs> anyway we finally get everybody to the top of the and he shot him around. with a rifle <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly well we didn't have anything else yeah. i'm like let's get jay we got we got around this peak and we got into where all these goats started like we kind of started getting busted and they're all within bow range i'm like jacob jacob right here and he and he flings this arrow into this goat kills this goat and i'm like all right all right kevin shoot that one he goes bang whop drops this other goat and i go okay there's another goat bang whop and we tripled up on goats right there in about 30 seconds but yeah it was just this the nastiest steepest stuff like sheep hunting and goat hunting is two different things holy shit is it yeah this goat i this goat i shot dropped him just you can hear him hitting the rocks tumbling tumble tumble and then he goes over this spot where you can't see and you're hearing the rocks going and then just all silent you're like oh no (laughs) that goat just dropped off a cliff yeah and so that yeah i trying to pack that goat out i made one slip and fall where i started rolling with the full pack and you know the barney's pack and started rolling i didn't know if i was gonna stop i was just all four legs sprawled out as far as i could get them to try to slow the roll down and i was full pack rifle in the pack everything through this stuff it was not cool and then to go back up into that country in six inches of wet slushy snow with with my dad and thinking we're gonna oh yeah we're gonna drag a goat off this mountain it's like oh, i don't know no, that goat is... was gonna ride his way to the bottom <laughs> yeah, we, we were about yeah it was it was dumb by the time we decided to turn around it was way too late and we should have turned around long before that and it was not it was sketchy coming back down and we were able to do it one step at a time but well i back cra- i crawled my way up on all fours right i had my bow stuffed in my yeah. pack crawled my way up on all fours but when it came to going down, that was the only way I could go down for most of it, too. Was, That's the only way. Once yeah. it's, when it's shitty like that, you have to go down backwards like yeah. that. And it, like, it's just the only – I don't – crampons. Yeah, crampons would have made a big difference for they, traction. Yep, they do, yeah. for sure. It helps a lot down there. You know, and an ice axe 100%. for guys that get real serious about it, right? Because yeah. then if you do start to lose it, you can at least dig in and stop. Stop yourself or rest yourself, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and we say, hey, goat country and sheep country are two different. Well, most of the pots that we hunt, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. But there's sheep in the Chugach and Wrangles that are in. Same frickin same. Yeah. Well, Alan Mortensen, two years ago, three years ago now, I guess, shot a 40-inch ram down in the Chugach, right? And he had to wait for bo- goats to get out of his way. 
Nice. <laughs> to shoot the sheep. Perfect. Right? And same thing. It was one of those deals that they saw, I forget, 70-some rams, and that was the only legal ram they saw, and it happened to be a 40-inch. Hmm. Pretty heavy two-gatch ram. It was a good sheep. You know, but yeah, he said, we had to wait for goats to get out of the way to make our stock, you know, <laughs> and he sh- showed me on a map what he was doing. I thought, holy crap, dude, I've never hunted sheep in country like that. And I've hunted the wrangles before that was in some tough country, but not like that. Not vertical. He said, yeah. He, I said, so if I go down there, what should I bring? And he says, an ice axe and crampons. Says, a it's body the only, bag. No. It's the only way. He says, <laughs> yeah. we had to ice axe our way across this glacier to make this stock on these sheep. And he says, and it was a pretty vertical face. I mean, it was, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's not, I'm too old for that. (laughs) (laughs) I have to give credit to Nick for saying, don't go on this goat hunt without crampons and ice axe. And next thing I know, I'm getting getting lowered over a cliff. getting lowered down (laughs) over a fucking cliff to recover a goat. Literally off like Mm -hmm. a 500 foot drop. And there's like a 30 foot drop to a tiny shelf and a buddy of mine had shot a goat and they were just like fuck that and i was like we got ropes in the boat yeah we could i know how to like run ropes and anchor shit he used to ice climb a bunch too and i was like i know i know how to deal with this shit i was like you guys can lower me down over this one cliff to the goat and then i can tie onto it and then i can come up with a goat and you guys pull and i'll kind of like pull and you know and Sure, shit, we got. So you got guys on a haul line that have no idea what they're doing, trying to pull you and a goat up. No, they knew. I mean, (laughs) but the the deal was the rope was short. I judged how much distance down to the goat, and I anchored everything off so that even if me and the goat fell, we were both attached, and I couldn't go that far. Mm -hmm. So I, I was on a high angle. There was forethought on this before. I was like, okay. They're like, wow, how do you know how to tie all these knots? I was like, don't touch anything that I've done. <laughs> out of sight. Wow, just don't try and recalibrate anything that I've done here. Yeah. I've never, I've never done, spe- <clears throat> gone off on a specific goat hunt. It's always been go to Kodiak deer hunting, and oh yeah, there might there's be a goat, goat opportunity. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a lot different packing and a lot, a, a much steeper learning curve for myself anyway, as far as what it takes to go specifically okay we're going goat hunting this what was we, very specific <laughs> and in the beginning of march so it's oh, like so a t- springtime oh, totally yeah. different yep. like all the snow and it had been that particular year kodiak got pummeled with snow mm-hmm. and it was awesome for the goats because it was one of those years where it wasn't like freeze thaw freeze thaw freeze thaw in march it had been super cold all winter and they got a ton of snow and all the goats just had Super long, perfect hair. They were absolutely beautiful goats that we got. Usually in March, goats are matted up pretty bad. You know, so what we see, I've killed quite a few goats in Prince William Sound and then three on Kodiak. And uh, the late season ones, they're like this time of year, they're usually at their ultimate peak as far as fluffy. You know, they've got the, just the cotton ball look to them, you know. Well, you... Look at these pictures from that goat that we got up on. I say got up on 500 yards from. They were just a puffball. Nice, yeah, complete, long hair. complete. These goats that we cotton ball. All the They're goats like that we finally shot coming are, into prime, basically yeah, right now. Absolutely yeah. perfect. That's exa- like <laughs> yeah. almost looks exactly like what we yeah. killed, 
but they probably actually had longer hair than that even. Mm. Well, the ones that we killed a little bit They're later such pretty on. critters. They're oh, the God. most beautiful. They're animals. absolutely amazing. But yeah, the <clears throat> thing I did, like the, the those goats that we got up on and we tripled up in, in 30 <laughs> seconds, I was like, Man, once you get up here, goats are kind of dumb. Like, <laughs> goats are very easy to approach. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're yeah. like live in these places when that they're, they're not the used beach to. In March, they come right down. <laughs> oh, like, geez. Peace. See, that oh, would be nice. Why would I go up there? I shot one <laughs> on the beach and one like a hundred yards up, something like so, that. What if you could catch them on the beach in October when there's no snow on the beach? They're sandy. Because they they get that black well in Kodiak anyway they get all that black sand and shit. In We've their seen hair. one on the beach there in in Sawmill Bay right on the right on the oh, on the seawater. That was in, in spring, our, yeah. That wasn't in spring, was it? Yeah, that was in May. Oh, Okay, <clears throat> I was thinking of that one. It was like I had never. I was pretty young. Never seen a goat Probably before. Don't like, have any of these pictures? Oh on man, my phone. that goat's like right there on the seawater. That's pretty they, cool. Right the, on the ocean. The first ghost that we shot. So they got the snow, but they're going down and they're laying in the black sand on the beach. I can imagine that. The sun that. Just, heats ugh. up the freaking sand, so they're in the heat. And, and they're just like laying there in the sand in the heat. Yep, that makes and sense. And you fucking shoot them. And I was like, holy shit, these things are just packed with black sand mm. where their hides are. <laughs> can they ever clean that out? Yeah, somebody, somebody cleaned them out. <laughs> The migratory birds do the same thing on the slope. They, they uh, like, especially on night shift, they'll come onto the gravel pads and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and they'll sit on the gravel because it's hotter than the tundra. Yep. It's like got five hundred birds on your pad when you're driving th- driving through on night shift. You're like, what are they doing? Oh, that's what they're doing. It's the gravel's warmer than everything else. Incubated. Yeah. <laughs> I killed one goat on Kodiak that died on the beach. It's the only goat that I've never had to put in a backpack because I could land on that beach at low yeah. tide. <laughs> and literally, I flew over there the next day at low tide and picked him up. Nice. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah, these guys had it pretty good. Well, I spent 16 years on a high-angle rescue team in an industrial setting, right, where we repelled off of towers and did rescue different rescue scenarios there. And so I'm pretty comfortable on ropes and tying, and I'm not comfortable with somebody that's not trained being on my hull line. <laughs> Just, just saying. <laughs> I've seen that go poorly. <laughs> yeah, one thing I don't know why that reminds me of the one. Uh, There's a whole you, you do like fall one. training and stuff. If you had to do like fall training for no, your work I, for for my job, I really don't. But we whole one like, on the boat, one whole one on the what, boat, and then two that, that we had just dealt with that were we brought back whole, but we had just got done skinning them out and everything. And mm-hmm. that's the way you do it. Yeah. Right on the boat, flat, everything's good. I've killed one, two, three, oh, four yeah. with a bow. Goats, mm-hmm. right on. Yeah. Better luck with goats than sheep. Well, it's just way easier to get within bow range, and then it's just a matter of is the goat someplace where I can get to him after the fact, because he's going to yeah. go. You know, The bow is not going to drop him in his tracks. He's going to go. Yeah, for and sure. where he's going to head is the cliff, and he's going to go there as fast as he can get there. Those, so. those goats we killed out of Old Harbor, my two buddies drug them down the mountain hole. Didn't even, didn't <laughs> Steep even gut them. Steep enough to just drag them. Didn't even gut them. And I'm, I'm like, I quartered this critter out, took the life-size cape, put it in a game bag, and I put the whole critter in my backpack. Couldn't fit anything else, like all the meat. Yeah. And so I'm like, what am I going to do with this cape? I load this big billy into the backpack. I mean, 
I don't know how much. It was way too much to be carrying. And then I tried to bear hug the game bag with the full life-size game. In it. That's why I ended up falling, right? So I took like three steps like that, fell. I'm like, nope. Left the cape up there. And I went up the next day and got the Grab cape. The went cape. right up. Went all the way back. Yeah, but they, they drug this whole, both their goats whole to the freaking beach. By the time I got down, I'm just catching up while they, they're getting their full goat to the boat. Like, in the dark, I had already quartered mine, put it in the backpack, hiked down. It's so much faster to go down the hill yeah. with it in the backpack. But I got there. I'm like, Jacob, Kevin, what the hell are you guys doing? You didn't even gut these things. Like, <laughs> this is not deer hunting anymore. You just drug 300-pound animals down the mountain. But they, they ended up putting them in the boat, and we strung them up on the back porch of his buddy's house there in Old Arbor. So we had, like... A deer, a deer, and then two freaking mountain goats in the backyard of their house. That was a yeah. that was a pretty nice way to do it too. If you could get them there easier than the way they did it, but yeah, yeah. doing it on the boat nice. like you had those pictures. That's uh, I was yeah. hunting out of goat, goat, nice. goat Harbor, which is out uh, kind of east of Seward. You come out of Seward and you run all the way out to the ocean to the Hinchinbrook entrance or. Montague entrance anyway yeah. there and then you yeah. hang a left and you come around the corner and you can get into this place called Goat Harbor and uh, I shot a goat there at seven yards on a ridge going through the old growth timber I mean I I stepped up over a, a downfall tree and this goat was standing there staring at me <laughs> not even me to your butcher boy there Jeez. and I'm rifle in hand pack on I just went Boom! <laughs> From the hip? Yeah. Never even pulled the gun, shouldered the gun, right? And just pile drive this goat. And it hits Make the, my day. <laughs> it hits the ground, and an ermine immediately comes running over to it, bites a hold of its lip, and it's tugging for all it's worth on this goat's lip. It yeah. was going to haul this goat off with him. So while I'm butchering this goat, right, I'm feeding this ermine the whole time. This ermine's just in fat city, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But... I get ready to leave that, and off of that ridge line, I come over to this face to get back down to the beach, and there I got to the spot that was just freaking vertical. And this a whole goat in a pack is... It's a lot. Yeah, it's like 160 pounds. I mean, it's a lot. Goats are much bigger than a sheep. Yeah. A, full, a big billy goat is is way bigger than, than oh, putting a sheep for in a sure. backpack. I got to that spot, and I'm, I had an old uh, camp trails... Austrial combination backpack on, which was kind of, it's the same frame that Barney's is using, yeah. but the bag wasn't nearly as good. Snake. The whip yeah. snake. Yeah. Did you ever see that video, the, no. the YouTube video, the whip snake? Uh -huh. I'll have to show it to you yeah. after we wait, wrap wait, this wait. up. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> anyway, so I got this backpack on. I got to this spot that was just freaking vertical, and I said, this pack is wore out. And at the bottom of this was, I don't know, probably 300 yards down was the beach, right? But I came off a different way than I went up, and it was this. And I just screwed it. I took my pack off, pitched it. Ba boom, ba boom, ba boom. Parts of pack start flying. Bullets start flying. <laughs> Knife, <laughs> knives start flying. Spot and scope goes flying. I think, oh, I did not think about this. <laughs> <laughs> and it made it all the way to the beach. Oh, <laughs> what man. was left? Pack was busted in half. I mean, the frame was busted in half. The thing was shredded wheat. And all the way down this hill now, instead of I thought was going to have this nice cush, you know, at least a manageable You're way picking down. picking up your shit. I'm picking up shit. <laughs> bullet here, bullet there. Here's my spot scope. Wow, that's a win. <laughs> Still works. Oh, it was stupid. But, but that was the way to get that goat off the hill. 
Oh man, that's funny. Well, we better wrap this up, or we're gonna end up. We're probably still gonna end up talking for another hour. Good time, for yeah. sure. No, thanks for coming over, guys. Yeah, it's been great. It's you know, time. I've contemplated putting together um, some not really meetings good times at at somebody's house you know my house or whatever with you know get a half a dozen like-minded guys together with their best video yeah and sitting down and just drooling yeah you know and telling telling lies and telling stories and <laughs> that'd be awesome well that's fun yeah that's good fun. dinner it's or something kinda, like yeah that exactly have videos. a good game dinner and yeah big stack of moose ribs mm. yeah <laughs> yeah well that's what we i mean obviously it's what we've been doing it's what we all like doing so mm-hmm. For sure, that'd be great. And uh, and your so your your YouTube channel's Backcountry Alaska. Yeah, if you right? want to keep along and make your judgments on if, are these stories are true or not, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Backcountry Alaska. We don't we try to keep a genuine uh, picture of what what we do, and we, I've gotten a lot of really good compliments, and I appreciate all those people that make those compliments, and we try to just keep it genuine and ethical, and what we do day to day, which is pretty pretty unique, I think, for what most people. Oh, yeah, experience. for sure, man. <laughs> so, yeah, check it out. For sure. I was going to say something. The, how I fe- like started watching your backcountry videos, mm-hmm. for, I don't know why. I watch tons of hunting stuff, and randomly it came up, but it was a like short video, and it was when that fucking balloon went down or whatever was shot oh, yeah. down. Oh. <laughs> and you put a fucking tinfoil. The UFO. Like, I don't know. I'm not into conspiracies. You're like, Pedro, you got a tinfoil fucking helmet on. I was like, this guy's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you've seen that. Yeah. And then, so I watched that. Then I was like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? And uh, yep. so I started, that's when I started watching the videos. Yeah. No, yep. definitely. De- everything everything I do in Alaska, cabin building, riding sleds, uh, goofing off. Hunting and fishing. His UFO stuff got like two million views. That did no yeah. shit, really. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And he pulled it down to keep his, I guess, his employer happy. Probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, like it. It, it got, gets weird. There's t- like social media use it, at work is like is yeah, it's just like a fine line, right? Yeah, don't doubt and it. So yeah. yeah, it got brought a, a, a truck driver on the slope, got in a, wrecked a truck making a TikTok video. Oh, and so shit. it was like a big safety thing. Okay, hold on. Everybody's yeah. going to take a look. Well, Thomas makes much TikTok. Everybody had seen my TikTok videos with the tinfoil hat on after the, yeah, after the government shot down that <laughs> UFO or whatever it was. You're right. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, instead of being brought up in a safety meeting, I should probably just like kind of bury gone. those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm yeah, glad I, I saw it I before it was gone. <laughs> I get questions about that all the time. Like, what, what the government is, are you in danger? Blink twice if you're in danger. <laughs> 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 no, yep. no, no! It's all hunting, fishing. And, Is that and why you got that that, tw- that 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 twitch going? <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but it's all yeah, it's all cabin building, hunting, fishing, all the stuff we do. It's good, just, good stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, Alaska is just great, no matter what yeah. you're doing. For sure, agreed. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we'll call it a night. I uh, appreciate everybody listening, and if you uh, enjoy Tundra Talk, I appreciate it if you give a good review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on or a bad one I guess if you feel the need enjoy that made no sense enjoy I'm retarded (laughs) good night